The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe, the Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing, learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com, call 562-314-4603 for complete details. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Big Six Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm the host of this show. Make sure to download, subscribe, and leave a five-star review while you're here. If you're new, get ready for the greatest 90 minutes of your life. Maybe less because there's not as many games. I like the face that Ryan Wilson made when I said 90 minutes. Ryan, Sean, John, how are you, gentlemen? Fantastic. How are you, Will? Great to hear, Breach. Sean, um, we'll get to your bears in a minute. First, look, we're gonna dive right in. We're not gonna, we're not gonna mess around and, and talk about Sean's neighbor and Ryan's putting EPL gifts in Slack and Breach shaving his head. We're not gonna talk about any of that. Uh, we're gonna go straight to, Breach didn't really shave his head. Sean did though. We're gonna go straight to the Cowboys and Eagles and we're gonna blitzkrieg through it. We're gonna do our producer Debo a favor because he had to watch the Eagles get smoked 37 to 10. Rough game for Philly, rough game for Carson Wentz. Man, I mean, this was, these two teams came into this three and three, right? That's actually correct. Thank you, Sean. We had the, the the division is on the line. Somebody was going to be a a big leg up in the NFC East after Sunday night. And this game was never close. The, The Cowboys jumped out to a 14 point lead early. The Eagles looked sloppy throughout the game. Carson Wentz was pretty bad. I mean, he, he just didn't play very well. He had some good shots down the field throughout the course of the game, but overall was not impressive. And Dak Prescott, we're riding the Dak Prescott, the Dak coaster, 21 to 27, 239 yards, also ran five times for 30 yards and a touchdown. Sean, I'll start with you. Where do you, are we, what are the, are we overreacting if we say that the Cowboys have regained control of the NFC East after uh, sort of, you know, kind of putting the Cowboys? The Cowboys had a three-game losing streak after a three-game winning streak. Now they're back on top. Where? How should we rationally approach this? Control? No, because both these teams are so inconsistent that you could see it flipping. It's only a one-game lead, and they still meet, I believe, in Week 16. But because of how good the NFC is, the rest of the conference, not the NFC East – we can't downplay this game because it doesn't look like the East is going to send two teams to the playoffs because you look at the West, there's three teams there that can make it, and you look at the North, there's, I don't know, maybe there's only two teams now. Um, but you could conceivably make a case for three teams in the North that could make the playoffs. So the division's going to come down to, it feels like, these head-to-head matchups. And it's really funny because on last week's YouTube Sunday night show when we were looking ahead to this game, there was a Cowboys favored by three. I said I was going to take 
the Eagles because I couldn't tell these two teams apart, and I trusted Doug Peterson as the better coach. And what you just said is the Eagles were so remarkably sloppy in this game. It like we expected their defense to not be good because their defense has not been good. I expected Dak Prescott. Yeah. yeah, I expected Dak Prescott to play well and kind of regain the MVP form that we saw in the first three weeks. I didn't expect the Eagles' offense to fumble twice on their opening series, um, on their first two series, which directly led to 14 points. I didn't expect Carson Wentz to throw an awful pick. That was the thing I thought that was the most surprising is that I expected more from the Eagles' offense against the Cowboys' defense that frankly hasn't been that great this year. And they weren't just turning the ball over. They couldn't really move the ball with consistency. I mean, they only scored 10 points in addition to having four different uh, giveaways. So I'm not panicking about the Eagles because I don't think the Cowboys are that good. But, I mean, it comes days after they didn't trade for Jalen Ramsey. And you think about how much of a difference I think Jalen Ramsey makes on this team. I think it's a big one. I don't know how they get better barring some sort of trade for that secondary because they are god-awful. Let me ask you this. Right. are Breach? the Eagles, are the Eagles good, Ryan? Are the Eagles good? That's no, what I'm... not right now. They're not right now. I'll ask Breach this because you two numbnuts were yelling and laughing at me last week when Breach wasn't on the podcast. What? Uh, Breach, here's what was put forth to me. And <laughs> based on what you've seen, just listen. Our right, answer is going to stay the same, by the way. Okay. Well, let me ask Breach because I'm not talking to you anymore, am I, Sean? Thank you. Well, you, do. you just talked so to me. So last week that. while, last week, John, while you were, you were out, these two, Made fun of me to the point that I had to go to therapy an extra session last week because after the Jalen Ramsey trade. A seventh session. <laughs> seventh session. It's like I, I do more sessions than, than Will does podcasts. Um, <laughs> so here's the thing. Two first-round picks and a fourth-round pick to send Jalen Ramsey from Jacksonville to, to the Rams. He had a, a pretty good start this on Sunday for the Rams. Yay for that. But Brinson and Sean were trying to convince me without um, success, by the way, that the Eagles should give up a first-round pick in 2020 and Zach Ertz – for Jalen Ramsey and that he would magically fix that secondary Jalen Ramsey could have been out there and 10 of his clones and they still would have gotten smoked the way they were playing on Sunday night against the Cowboys. John, nope, nope, Sean, not your turn. Uh, John, what, what do you think about that trade? And if you're, if you agree with those three, I'll be on my own on that Island and I'll, I'll be there by myself. All right, Wilson, I don't want to put you alone on therapy Island, <laughs> but yes, Here's the Come thing. Come on, Breach. Come on, Breach. Just watching these two games on Sunday, watching the Eagles play, watching the Rams play, it is clear the Eagles are in much more need of a shutdown type corner than the Rams are. Like anybody can use the Jalen Ramsey. He's Jalen Ramsey. He's going to make your defense better. Uh, but people are just throwing all over the Eagles defense. Their secondary is horrible. Yes, they have a couple guys who are not in great health right now, but when those, when they're completely healthy, they're still bad. It does not matter. So they should have been willing to give up a little more. And I think there was a report from Sunday morning that said that Jacksonville actually called the Eagles up and gave them a chance to match the Rams offer. And the Eagles told them to go shove it. You know, it was like what? And usually Howie Roseman is the guy who's going to pull the trigger on something like this. So I am unfortunately, I don't know if I would have given up a first in Ertz. I'm not sure what I would have given up, but I do think the Eagles should have tried harder to get a deal done. I will point out two things here. One, after that podcast, Diva and I were talking because we talk, you know, we like to talk about you guys. <laughs> See how stupid, right? Uh, we stupid. talk about we talk about you two too in our own separate chat. That's fine. It's fine. I'm glad it's going both ways. Diva and I were chatting, and uh, he, he's like, you know what? I I think I was wrong. I think I actually would do that deal to get Jalen Ramsey. Uh, and two, Ryan, you know what? 
a defense of 11 Jalen Ramsey's would be terrible because he couldn't rush the passer because he's a cornerback. If you had 11 cornerbacks in your defense, you're just going to like load up the box and run the ball. So why would you think that 11 Jalen Ramsey's, Jalen Ramsey and 10 of his clones out there would be any good on defense? That's so I, I think he's saying that 11 Jalen Ramsey's would be better than whatever the hell the Eagles did tonight on defense because that is for sure. They were horrible. It was I, embarrassing. I do just want to add that part of me and Brinson's argument was that the Eagles just drafted a tight end. Zach Ertz is aging. And D- Dallas Goddard could replace right. Zach Ertz. And no, just the, to this game tonight, Zach Ertz didn't get a target until the third quarter. He had two catches for 38 what yards. What did Dallas Goddard do in the first series? Dallas Goddard, okay, he fumbled, but he also had four oh, catches for 69 yards one. and a touchdown. I mean, Dallas yeah, Goddard deal. had a better game. Four catches game. for 69 yards in a game where you lost by 27. Okay. All right, all right, let's not focus on the Eagles here because I mean, like, I mean, well, we can focus on the Eagles if we want and how bad their defense is, but like, they're not going to get Jalen Ramsey. He's gone. Ship has sailed. So. Uh, I'm not sure what you do outside of hoping that that Jim Schwartz can coach things up better. I do know – I will say this, that for all the conspiracy conspiracy theory theorizing that was thrown out over the last week about Jason Garrett having his fingerprints all over the Cowboys' offense, that offense tonight looked way different, way different. It had tons of motion. Dak Prescott looked more comfortable. It looked like he was – uh, you know, he was operating in this Kellen Moore based offense and like they, they got down to the goal line and they did the tight end leak out thing out of jumbo where they ran play action and he throws it to, to, to Blake Jarwin for an easy touchdown. There's literally nobody there. there another one where Zeke Elliott, uh, when, when Dak ran the ball in, Zeke was rolling out and he had an easy dump off option. If it wasn't there, he could run it in there. There was so much. I understand that the Eagles defense isn't that great, but their front seven is actually pretty good. And this offense was what we saw the first three weeks, right? I mean, this looked like a Cowboys offense that's being run by Kellen Moore and not Jason Garrett. And I, it looked every time they cut to Jason Garrett, it looked like Jason Garrett knew that the offense was doing well without his stupid fingerprints all over it. I would just say short field. You mentioned the Eagles being terrible defensively. I don't want to wait and see what they do. In the coming weeks, I mean, it was a, it was a huge improvement, but again, it's like saying the Rams are back because they beat the Falcons. What I what I thought? Oh was <laughs> no, this is a this is this is first places on the line, and it's it's Cowboys Eagles on a huge primetime game, and they and have no one to play defense. I think it's partially about the play calling. You mentioned all those plays. I would add the first touchdown, the the pitch to Tavon Austin, which came after a play fake to the running back, was also really nifty. I also think it's about personnel. I mean, Tyron Smith came back, so the Cowboys are a lot more healthy. He was banged up there. Yeah, I will say this, though. The Cowboys still actually ran the ball a lot on first down, which was a criticism that we've had about their offense is putting Dak in second and long and third and long situations because they insist on running the offense through Zeke. They did that a ton, to, on, ton on Sunday night. The difference was what was really shocking is they ran the ball with tremendous success against a defense that I will point out um, the Eagles for as bad as they've been. Against the run by DVOA, they've been the second-best run defense. And the Cowboys came out, and they averaged 5.3 yards per carry, 36 carries for 189 yards and three touchdowns. So I thought it was a mix. I thought the play calling was good, but it was also like they still ran the ball a lot in first down. The Eagles just weren't stopping it. They were getting five or six yards, it felt like, on first down every single time. I also kind of thought the Eagles were shell-shocked. Once the whole fumbles and touchdowns, and all of a sudden you just dig yourself this deep, deep hole that there's no way out of. I mean, Doug Peterson looked like he just, I don't want to say didn't care or just got, fell out of his game plan or, but once that happened, he was just so frustrated that he couldn't believe what he was seeing. And the Eagles just never really recovered from fumbling 
on their first two possessions. Like, if they don't turn those over, I don't think this is a blow. I think the Cowboys were obviously the better team, but that just threw the whole game out of whack. So, I, I mean, I really think it's – the Cowboys looked really, really, really good, but I don't think the Eagles are as bad as they looked in this game. Uh, two – couple more points I'll make on this, uh, and then I, I got a question for Breach on a follow-up there. Uh, the Cowboys covered the – they were minus three. They covered that easily. Uh, the under actually hit despite there being 21 points in the first five minutes of the game and the first half over getting crushed. The Cowboys just uh, slowed everything down in the second half. Uh, Dak Prescott, 22 points, our top fantasy performer from the game. And, man, look, we – Bill Barnwell tweeted this out, our, our friend of the podcast. Um, worth worth mentioning, though, I agree completely with him. We all got to take a fat L on the Amari Cooper trade. Amari Cooper's freaking awesome. Cowboys made a good move. They traded for a young wide receiver who they're probably going to lock up on a contract, uh, assuming that they don't have to tag Dak Prescott and he can walk away. Um, and uh, and he had five catches for 106 yards, and one of those was an incredible third down conversion when the Eagles were trying to get back into the game. Um, we look, we ripped the Raider, we ripped the Cowboys for trading a first round pick to the Raiders, and it's worked out great. Amari Cooper's awesome. Breach, you can have 6.3 seconds on the 63 yard Brent <laughs> Maher field goal. Oh my God, that's amazing! Brett Maher is so awesome 63 yard field goal right before halftime here is your brett maher fact there have only been 10 field goals in nfl history of more than 62 yards brett maher now has three of them no other player has ever hit more than one he has three of them he has two 62 yarders plus the 63 yarder the dude doesn't miss from over 60 can't make it from under 45 i don't know what his deal is maybe the cowboys need a kicker for uh, the shorter field goals but that is a heck of a leg and most coaches will not send their field goal kickers out there that often so uh brett maher Put him on the Pro Bowl team. Fun fact, that was 9.3 seconds that Breach used up. And you didn't say fun fact before the Brent Mayer fact, but that's okay. Uh, moving along to another game. That's the fastest we've ever gotten through the first game of this podcast. Uh, the, uh, oh, what, what? What's that? I'm being oh, – I've got breaking news in my ear. Uh, Ryan, I mm-hmm. am being told uh, by, by Devo in my ear here that uh, Mitchell Trubisky sucks. <laughs> Is that really the second game we're talking about? Yeah, it's on the rundown. Uh, the Saints, four and a half point dogs, four point dogs in this game. Are you joking? Are you kidding me? I said last week on our YouTube exclusive. By the way, we do that every Sunday. YouTube exclusive. We do the early lines and we look at some games. I said that the Saints were a good bet. I also said the under was a good bet. That turned out not to be true. Uh, it should have hit, but the freaking uh, Matt Nagy needed to like get to pad Mitchell Trubisky stats and, uh, and, and get him all the way up to like 84 yards passing or whatever he finished with. Um, but actually he might finish with, like 200 yards passing, maybe 251 and two touchdowns. What a joke of a 251, uh, in, in terms of that. Saints covered, went over the 37 and a half. Latavius Murray, who a bunch of people picked up when Alvin Kamara was ruled, uh, inactive. 26 fantasy points. How big of a statement game is this by the Saints and your boy, Teddy Bridgewater, Ryan? Uh, and how humiliating is it for Mitchell Trubisky? And my other boy, Latavius Murray, who actually lives down the street from me uh, in Liverpool, New York. Whoop, whoop. That's where he's whoop. from. He went to school in Florida. Huge well, win the for First, we got a whoop, whoop. I know, right? Uh, put that let's, with. Um, let's clip and save that sound. And, and, and I put it with, uh, with Brady's pew, pew, pew. And then you got something. Uh, yeah, huge win for the Saints. Um, we were all, all of us who had any idea that the, the Bills, uh, excuse me, the Bears might even be in that game, hugely disrespectful to what the, the Saints were able to do. Teddy Bridgewater continues just to plot along. He is the, the exact 
uh, what you want in terms of the game manager. I mean that in all the good ways. And towards the end of this game, I actually tweeted out responding to something that Sean was tweeting about Mitchell Trubisky being an absolute train wreck. And I said that the, the Bears should trade for Andy Dalton. This is not a joke, but it seems <laughs> like one. But that's how that's where we are in this Mitchell Trubisky uh, experiment. I honestly feel like uh, Andy Dalton, who threw three picks in like four minutes on Sunday night, is such an upgrade over Miss Trubisky that the Bears would be back in the in the conversation in a couple of weeks in that division. Um, maybe they'd be much better off than they would be at least with Miss Trubisky there. And I don't know what the, where the Bears go from here. They don't have a first round pick next year. Ryan Pace mortgaged the future on to trade up and get Trubisky. We all know how that worked out, and, and the other quarterbacks that that went that were drafted after him. And I, I like I honestly don't know what you do if you're the Bears because you're wasting this defense. There is no offense to speak of. David Montgomery is terrible, and he's actually not a terrible player. He actually fumbled today for the first time this season. I think they don't use him. Tariq Cohen got clowned on the sidelines by Sean Payton he, and, and the and the and the Saints players who were making like you're really short. Um, gestures toward him towards the end of that game so uh the season's over for the bears um i don't know when you bench trubisky and i don't think matt nagy is a terrible coach but it's hard to call plays when you don't have a quarterback i want to hear sean's opinion on all this by the way uh before you before you do uh i just noticed that aaron nagler uh also friend of the show has appeared on here uh packers writer uh just quote tweeted a uh bears wire usa today story Entitled, I don't even see who wrote this. Who is the, it's, the title of the story is, is Mitch Trubisky close to dethroning Aaron Rodgers as best QB in NFC North? <laughs> I mean, he's not even the third or third best quarterback in the NFC North. You wrote, you wrote that in, the, in this June. You wrote that, Brendan Sir Gray. What were you thinking? Why would you write that? Brendan Sergey is an anagram for Mr. Biscuit, by the way. <laughs> Go ahead, Sean. Um, Trubisky's – look, Trubisky's the problem, and I'm not going to say – like, he deserves 95% of the blame. The Bears also have other problems other than Mr. Trubisky. Uh, their offensive line is disgustingly awful a year after they look like as a top – as a unit, I would say a top 10 unit for sure. And they can't run the ball because they can't block. I don't think it's because they traded Jordan Howard, who's, you know, playing pretty well for the Eagles. There's nothing to do with that. After the game, you have Matt Nagy saying he expected the team to run the ball better. Well, that's interesting. Guess how many times the Bears ran the ball against the Saints in what, for a decent amount of the game, was actually a one-score game until the second half. It was under 10. Yes. They ran the ball seven times. Tariq Cohen had three carries. David Montgomery had two carries. Two carries for a running back that you traded up in the third round when you already didn't have draft picks in the first two rounds because you traded them for Khalil Mack and Mitchell Trubisky. By the way, like Ryan Pace deserves a ton of blame here, not just for the Trubisky decision, because when he was short on draft picks, he thought the running back was going to be the missing answer. We talk about every single week how you can get undrafted free agents and plug in whoever, and you they're going to be Jordan okay. Howard. You had Jordan Howard on the roster. Just right, and you can play him and let him walk in the offseason and then get a comp pick for him. Like, you didn't need that, what was it, like a fifth-round pick they got for him? That all said, I don't want to nail uh, Matt Nagy because I think calling plays in the NFL is really hard when you don't have a quarterback who can hit basic throws that NFL quarterbacks are supposed to hit nine out of ten times. There are a couple throws there down the field that are wide open, and he, he sails them by ten yards. And we saw this a bit last year 
but we didn't see it throughout the entire season. We saw it in short bursts. Now it seems like it's almost every single throw that he makes downfield. I feel bad for Allen Robinson, who is still managing to ball out, even though he's saddled with Blake Bortles 2.0 after he came from Jacksonville. And, Brian, you mentioned the Andy Dalton thing. Breach and I called, talked about this in Slack. It, both of us would 100% right now do a Dalton for Trubisky swap. And I don't think it's going to happen because right, I think right, the rest right. of hold on, hold on. Let's, let's, let's. You would trade Mitchell Trubisky for Andy Dalton right now? RJ already approved it. It's done. What's yes. the downside to that if you're the Bears? I'm all out on his long-term future. What's the upside to that uh, if you're the Bengals? If you're the Bengals, you oh, get a, that's, you that's get a cheap a, you get a cheap contract, so no, less money question. than you're paying Dalton. You can get out of it whenever you want because it's so cheap. And if he's good, if for some reason he works in Zach Taylor's offense, which there's like a one percent chance, you have him cheaply for another year or two before you would sign him to extension, and then you don't have to draft a quarterback. So it's like getting a free rental. It's all about timelines. Like Andy Dalton is better than Trubisky, but he doesn't fit the Bengals' timeline because the Bengals aren't going to be competing for the next couple of years. And for the for the Bears, it's look, Trubisky's not working out. Try to get a quarterback who, as Breach has pointed out um, in the past, can be good if he's surrounded by good players. And I would say the the Bears offense has a better chance, has a lot more talented players than the Bengals right now. And I think that that's exactly the quarterback the Bears need. That's the thing is the Bears don't need Aaron Rodgers. The Bears just need an adequate, mediocre quarterback who can hit. They need a rich man's throws. Chase Daniel. <laughs> and I you know, it's funny. That's Andy Dalton. Dalton. I have right. some exciting. I have some exciting news for you. So if today is, uh, it's Monday, October twenty-first. Let's see. Oh, by the way, quickly, we're October five months away. We're five months away, guys, from the Bears having decided they want to pick up Mitchell Trubisky's fifth-year option. No, that's not I don't best. think they will, but they won't. Like that's he's, the only good news I can think the, of. Like the number two overall pick, I don't see how you don't do it. There's no way they are. Because Why are they going to pay him? They're going to pay the him. Jaguars picked up Blake Bortles' fifth year option. How did that work out? But they they signed him to a contract extension. That was the problem. My, you have to pick it up because it's not guaranteed for injury. It's only it's only guaranteed for injury. I mean, you can get out of it. Like if you just want to bail, you can bail. Here's yeah. what the, the Bears are going to do. You know who they're going to sign in the off season? Marcus Mariota. We've been over this. Teddy Bridgewater. The guy who just beat them on, on Sunday. Dude, Teddy Bridgewater's taking over New Orleans. Drew Brees. Yeah, that's, Bridgewater's not leaving New Orleans. Yeah. But here's the other thing about the Bears is we had the conversation, you know, after Patrick Mahomes went down and we were listing off quarterbacks that could potentially go to Kansas City. And the more, like, I thought about that conversation, it was like, these are all guys the Bears should actually try to trade for because we keep talking about, they're wasting this defense. It is literally going to waste. They need to win now. They need to get a quarterback in there now. This is where Ryan Pace needs to say, yes, I effed up, and, and a general manager cannot do that more than trading for a quarterback because that tells you your draft pick's going on the bench. Trubisky's absolutely going on the bench if you trade for a quarterback. You have Marcus Mario out there. You have Andy Dalton out there. You could call for Nick Foles. The Jaguars might not bench Gardner Minshew. Uh, any one of those guys, Eli Manning. What did you think of Eli Manning, the Bears' defense, and winning one more Super Bowl over the Patriots? My God, that would be a story that we tell all our children and even Wilson's children, <laughs> we'd all tell it to everyone. So, I mean, I just think that they need to I do something. Sean and Brenton start laughing at John's Eli take, and then he takes it out on me and my kids. Uh, do we – Do we? I don't want Eli Manning. Look, look, Ryan, Ryan, mentioned, Ryan, mentioned, Ryan mentioned that the Bears' season is over. And, like, I don't want to – I know he's being hyperbolic, and he has these weird – like, he's like, we got to bench Trubisky for Chase Daniels, which is somehow going to look smart in two weeks. Um, Sean, is the Bears' season over? No, it's on life support though. And if they were in 
you know, the NFC East, like, it wouldn't be over because they're three and three. And I think last year they were three and three at this point and they got hot down the stretch. But what, in order for them to get hot down the stretch, Trubisky needs to start playing like an adequate quarterback. And we what see, what percent chance seen, of that yeah, of happening? One percent because we've seen zero signs of it so far. <laughs> he hasn't played a single good game this year. And last year you saw little moments. You don't see little moments of it this year. So look, it's not completely over because they're three and three. They got lucky and they beat Denver in week two in a game they should not have won. But they need to go on one of those runs where they win five in a row or so. And I just don't see it happening when you have a quarterback that honestly, I don't know if this is hyperbole. He might be the worst starting quarterback in football. Yeah, that's right. That's what I was asking. Like who, what would have to happen for him to win the, uh, the MVP, the 201, whatever it is now. Uh, the only quarterbacks who wouldn't need to get hurt are like Ryan Fitzpatrick, whoever's starting in Pittsburgh, like those Tannehill. guys. Uh, Tana- I don't know. I would take I would take Tannehill right now in, in Chicago. <laughs> yeah, Tannehill looked pretty good. There would have to be a uh, there would have to be like a targeted asteroid strike on 30 different NFL cities. More than that, I mean, more 30, than 30. 30? We have a 31. I thought you were going to say 30 quarterbacks. I was going to say more than that. Like no, 40 no, no, quarterbacks. No, 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 no. I'm saying like, I'm saying like 31 NFL teams are eradicated and it's only the Bears left. But then, then you run into the problem of like, somebody's definitely going to vote for like Khalil Mack over Chase Daniel, I mean, or Chase Daniel over Mitchell Trubisky or like Allen Robinson. I, it's, I, but I also think that like some of this. Eddie Pinheiro? Eddie Pinheiro? He's, he's, my, Bears, he's my MVP though. All right. Let me ask you another question, Sean. Where do we stand on yield regression discussion? Because the Bears got gashed. They quit. I see. They I see. Like, I don't. In. I don't put any blame on this on the Bears defense. I actually they thought they bailed it in. Wait a minute. The reason Shot, they, bailed, they got torched against the Raiders is the second week in a row. I don't think they got. I disagree that they got torched. I think they got torched in the fourth quarter and third quarter when the game was over. But when the game looked close, they were playing fine. Look, there was a safety. Which was two points. You just the said first... they got torched in two quarters. That's yeah. When the game when the game was they're, over, they're when down, they were on the field. Wait, wait, can I? Can, okay. They're down yes. twenty six to ten. I'm about to explain where the points came from. Two points came on the safety on the Bears' first possession. On the Bears' second possession, they fumble at the twenty four yard line, which the Saints turn into a touchdown. I'm not assigning blame for that one. At if you look at the the Bears' drive chart, they weren't able to, to sustain anything. So. Like, I'm not blaming the Bears defense for continually going out there after three and outs and after turnovers and being asked to work in terrible situations. I don't, I'm not saying the Bears defense was good, but this, uh, to say they were the problem, I don't think that's anywhere close. I think if you give them a halfway decent offense, this defense is still a top three, top five defense. I, I don't, I don't disagree. It's a top five defense, but that's regression. It's not the top defense. Oh, and by the way, I was the one I agreed with. Not on the Patrick Mahomes stuff, but on the Bears regression, I was saying 100% the Bears defense was going to regress. The thing that I was saying is to offset that, Trubisky just needs to, you know, make the leap and that will offset it. And that, as, right. not that Trubisky, not happen, he's got Trubisky's regressed. Yeah, yeah, negatively regressed. Yeah. Uh, let's look. This is a disservice that we're doing to the Saints here because, uh, New Orleans was free, New Orleans was freaking awesome. I mean, they should have been up 26 to nothing, per, to be perfectly honest. Like the, by the way, that, that kick return. By Cordell Patterson, the mm-hmm. camera angle that Fox had for that was incredible. It yeah, was like, I mean, it was like, it just, they just got lucky. Like they were just like, eh, you know, this guy's probably going to run it in 20 yards or take a touchback. And they just caught him. And it was like, it was, it was like a, having a GoPro on like a, like a, a wild, uh, like wilderbeast, like storming through the, or I don't know. So like, like it was like a, it was like a nature shot or something like that. Um, but th- like that was their, they had that touchdown. They had a, uh, I don't, I don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, they had a, um, they had the uh they had the the field goal on like a 
How long? Let's see. The drive was. How long was it? It was. The Saints also missed two field goals. Sure, but they're um, the one that resulted in a field goal was eleven plays, thirty nine yards, and four minutes and forty eight seconds, which is just sad. It, it resulted in a field goal. Um, the Saints have now won five straight games. Drew Brees went down uh, against the Rams, and they lost that game twenty seven to nine on the road. And I didn't. I should have gotten the audio of Breach. What did you say, Breach? You're like, their season's over. This no, I didn't say that. I said they had no chance against the Seahawks. And I said if they could just win two games while Breeze was out, that they could still win the division. Well, John, and, they and have they've won, won five. So five. I never, I never ruled them out from winning the division, Brinson. So don't put those words in my mouth. They, they, they went to Seattle and won on their back. Wait, wait, wait. I'm glad you brought that up because let me ask you something. These five games they've won that you're about to mention, does Drew Brees win all five of them? Uh, probably. Yeah. This is sort of what the Saints do. They start kind of slow, but like they didn't really start slow. They, they just, like they, they gave up a bunch of points to the Texans early, then they lost to the Rams. One and one. Brees is hurt. I mean, look, like your take didn't even, it's not even that crazy. It's like the Saints season is circling the drain, except, I mean, they've beaten these decent teams. Saints, Seahawks. Seahawks, Cowboys, Buccaneers in a shootout, just strangled the Jaguars, and then I mean they went I mean they back to back road games. They went on the road twice in October against two teams who have been in the the, the championship game of the respective conferences in the last three years. And the Jaguars and with good defenses in theory. Jaguars and the the Bears have not. What am I talking about? Um and uh two they beat playoff, playoff teams though. Right, they beat they beat teams we thought could be playoff teams, and they smothered them. And now they get the Cardinals at home before they're by. And they haven't even played the effing Falcons yet. Oh like, boy. Drew, they're going to – why rush Drew Brees back? They haven't played the Falcons or the Panthers yet. The Panthers look good. They got the 49ers and the Colts. But, I mean, this is just a playoff team. They're 6-1 and one with the Cardinals at home. This is a good – this team is well-rounded and very good. And um, they deserve – Are they play. the best team in the NFC? Um, I would say I would pick them, especially with – like, not with – Teddy, I, Teddy Bridgewater has been great, but not with Teddy Bridgewater. But if they get healthy Breeze back with Teddy's, his defense, Teddy's been pretty good. Well, I know, I'm not the, again. That's not a slight at Teddy, this. but Breeze can Breach. do more. John Breach, is it possible that your doppelganger Matt Lafleur is captaining the best team in the NFC instead? Packers cover the five and a half point spread over the Raiders handily, forty two to twenty four. Green Bay, uh, they the over got smashed, forty seven and a half. And Aaron Rodgers single-handedly won everybody their their fantasy games. 53 fantasy points. Is this the best team? Who would you take, Breach? Packers or Saints? I would absolutely take the Packers. And not be, just because, because LaFleur looks at it like me. And, and you guys doo-dooed on my head last week when I tried to say how good the Packers looked. And I put Aaron Rodgers in the MVP discussion last week. Now we're all going to do it this week. But the thing is, he's slowly been getting better in that offense. He didn't look great in week one. He didn't look great in week two. And we were just all kind of saying it, it was everybody was caught on the fence of is he washed up because that's been a talk for two years. Does he not like his coach? Uh, and is he ever going to have any grasp on this offense? And now I think that we see, yes, he does. He literally could not have played any better. He didn't have Devontae Adams. Uh, MVS had like a banged up knee, a banged up ankle was gimpy out there. He had another receiver who was coming off a concussion injury and didn't get cleared until Sunday morning. So it's like he was playing with a beat up crew and still put up 42 points 
and had the first ever perfect passer rating in Packers history. I mean, if Aaron Rodgers is playing like this, the Packers are the best team in the NFC. And that's what I wrote about for Sorting Sunday Pile, Ryan, is the idea that um, Aaron Rodgers may or may not have, like Ben Baldwin, who I think is I think is really good at what he does, uh, writes um, analytically based stuff out of Seattle, writes for The Athletic, and he wrote a, a story that Aaron Rodgers is no longer elite. And um, You wrote that before this game. Yeah, that's right. Uh, well, he's been saying it for a while. Everybody, you've been saying it. You yeah. said it on the podcast. Yeah, I'm not. Said to I'm not backing it, down from it. Aaron Rodgers is a washed-up piece of crap. <laughs> I, I call them a game manager that made him, but better than every other game manager because he has these types of performances still in him. So, do you feel like you're right or wrong? So he's a rich does, man's Andy Dalton. D- does he get to play the the Raiders every week? No. Then I'm not backing down from this. Like, like I'm not I'm not gonna crap on him. He or doo-doo on his head, as Breach would say. Uh, it's like he was, a glass bottom boat situation. This is very odd. He was uh he was perfect. Don't go. Uh, he was perfect, but I'm not gonna overlook the first six games of the season when he didn't look perfect. But what Sean, you think, you're saying he doesn't get to play the Raiders every week. Patrick Mahomes got to play the Raiders and he was healthy. He didn't put up these kind of numbers. Uh, the Colts got absolutely shut down by the Raiders defense. I'm saying that this isn't a uh, Raiders defense that teams have just been running over. Aaron Rodgers did something to them that no other team's done. He I did mean, something the that, Chiefs he did something ran over the Raiders. This is I, the I'm saying that Patrick Mahomes didn't put up any close to the numbers that Aaron Rodgers put up. This is the first ever perfect passer rating by a Packers quarterback. That stat is mind blowing. I'm actually can't believe he can't, he didn't do it earlier. Or, or Brett Favre right. or Bart Starr. Yeah. Um, Look, I, I don't want to I, – I think this is the interesting debate is are these are these situ, are these performances by Rodgers? And by the way, Rodgers, uh, since I should probably point out exactly what he did in terms of statistical production, he went 25 of 31 for 429 yards, five passing touchdowns, 158.3, perfect passer rating. He also ran the ball twice for six yards and a rushing touchdown. Again, a fantasy monster. If you had him on your team, he went nuts for the first time really all year. Um, is, so like that's the debate. Is, is this, is this a spike and an anomaly in terms of what Rodgers will do? for the Packers throughout the rest of the year? Or is this him grasping the offense, becoming the, you know, and and utilizing his skill set to be an MVP caliber quarterback in Matt LaFleur's offense? Because if it is, everyone else should be really scared because they already have, they're six and one. They have a good defense. Mike Pettin's pulling the triggers pretty well on this defense. It's not always perfect, but they've shown they can lock teams down. They have a good running game. And if Rodgers can do this, then this is a Super Bowl caliber team because they're going to the playoffs. At six and one, they're they're going to the playoffs. It's a it's a fait accompli. And if he gets there and he has this upside in this offense, that's that that is terrifying. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think Aaron Rodgers is still a really good quarterback. I never thought that he was um Trash. what sort of the what it would have been Baldwin called him? Um the actual title is Game Manager. No, no. longer elite. No longer elite. I, I still I mean look He's no a top colon. What the numbers tell us about Aaron Rodgers. And I get that. And, and Ben Baldwin does a fantastic job and it is all stats based and he does all the things you want to do. And he, I respect everything he does, but this I still is, think, by the way, this is like, this is like the, um, article that Sam Monson wrote for Pro Football Focus in like 2013 where he's like, Tom Brady is no longer elite. Right. That's the other, I mean, Sam. you can respect people and still disagree with them. So, I mean, Aaron Rodgers is still a top seven quarterback. 
he had struggled in to sort of grasp what Matt LaFleur wanted him to do or that they weren't on the same page or whatever. We saw last year he and um, uh, Mike What's-His-Face that got fired. They weren't on the same page. That offense didn't look great. McCarthy. So, Mike McCarthy, thank you. That said, I look. Mike What's-His-Face that coaches for the Steelers? I don't know. Hell, who knows? No, Mike McCarthy doesn't coach for the Steelers. He is no, from Mike Tomlin. It's a, Next year, a joke. Maybe. Yeah, you're just a joke. You're like, Ben, uh, what's his name? He had arm surgery this all this season. Yeah, whatever. Ben Roethlisberger. But my point is that uh, I don't think I'm still not sold on the, on the Packers defense. I mean, they played fine against the the Raiders. They haven't been good in previous weeks, even though like Matt, Mike Pettin. And I will finally say this: Yes, this is uh, one of the best teams in the NFC. I'm still on the 49ers bandwagon for number one right now. Mm. The big issue, of course, is their quarterback, but everything else seems to be working in San Francisco. Uh, I just want to point out really, really quickly. I don't think the Packers' defense played that well. Um, look, they got lucky that Derek Carr made the same idiotic decision he made two seasons ago and fumbled through the end zone. I mean, they allowed Derek Carr to throw for 293 yards, six incompletions, 10.5 yards per attempt. And again, they got gouged on the ground for five yards a carry. Josh Jacobs, 21 carries, 124 yards. I'm not criticizing their defense, but do you remember like after week one and two, we we're talking about this could be a top three, top five defense. I think they're fine. Top 10 defense, probably. Around yeah, but around the ten twelve range. I don't think they're like an elite defense. I think they're good enough if Rodgers is obviously going to play well, but they're not. They need Rodgers to play well to win a Super Bowl. It's not going to be a case of a defense carrying them to the Super Bowl. I yeah, I but I think that we like the game manager thing. I think you were mostly joking about that. Except I didn't mean it in a bad way. I was just looking at a lot. Like I mean, a lot of it was I read a lot of Baldwin's articles and. It seemed like he yeah, he lost he lost the lethal downfield throw. It seemed like that made him such made him the best quarterback that I'd ever seen play in my lifetime. Um, and All he these lost Bears fans who question Aaron Rodgers, this this is going to come back and bite you in the ass pretty bad. Um, but by the way, Derek Carr doesn't fumble in the end zone the, the old you know the old touchback where he reached across the thing. Like, mm-hmm. but, but it's a, it's a much what it's a much closer game. Oh no! I'm just laughing that he went for it because he had no shot of scoring that. Yeah. Yeah. Am I dreaming? Am I dreaming, or does Bill Belichick have a rule that his players can't do that? And that's the conversation we had last year. You're not dreaming. The uh, the Patriots are not stupid. They do smart things. <laughs> yeah. And the fact that Derek Carr did it in 2017 and said, "I'll do it again. I don't care." That's and right. Did, yeah, and then, and then he and, did it again. And Sean tweeted about that, and then you stole the tweet. It was almost verbatim. Except that he added the hashtags Packers and Raiders instead. Hashtags are a key part of Twitter. Sorry that you don't understand the social media, Sean. Why do you use the the tweets on the the hashtags of the teams? The teams that are playing? It feels very unorganic. It feels like I'm a brand. Hashtag. I am a brand. (laughs) How ironic is it that Brentson's calling Reach a brand? That is. Brentson, your name is Will Branson because of how much branding you do. You're Mr. Brand. You're but Elton Brand of branding. But that's but that's my brand is that I <laughs> Elton Brand of branding. I I, I act like I don't Elton do brand, brand stuff, but I really am branding. Um, that's true. Josh Jacobs another big game. Twenty one carries, one hundred twenty four yards. Mike Glennon came in this game. Glennon. Mike. Did you call him that one time? Uh, I said he's a giraffe with a, a shotgun. I, I stand by that. Um, no, you don't, because you deleted the tweet. Was that Glennon or was that someone else? No, that was Glennon because he's, he's doing play-by-play for the NC State spring game. You brought it to his attention. He furiously called I it retweeted it while he was Look, like – Guys, the- guys, guys, we have, we're trying to get to a time frame here, so shut up. Um, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, maybe we'll talk about other great NFC teams 
like the 49ers or perchance Minnesota Vikings. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Okay, so Minnesota Vikings, 42, Detroit Lions, 30. It was an ass whipping in Detroit. My Minnesota Vikings, winners of three straight, went in and knocked around the Lions. Kirk Cousins was a beast, 37 fantasy points. First quarterback in NFL history with 300-plus passing yards and a quarterback rating of 130 or higher, I think it is. I have to go look. It is, in fact, 100, uh, yes, 130 or higher. Ever in NFL history, ever. Kirk Cousins, legitimate, awesome quarterback, knocked it around using a ton of play action in this Vikings offense. Um, and they look awesome. Is there a chance that the Vikings are the best team in the NFC, right? Uh, breach? Yes, there is a chance, but I just said the Packers were, so they're not. Uh, but I will say to, to toot my horn, since Brinson loves to talk about Literally every day how he picked the Vikings to win the Super Bowl this year, even though he didn't want to talk about it earlier this season, but now he loves talking about it. I have the Vikings in the Super Bowl. I have the Vikings playing the Packers in the NFC title game. So I really, really like the Vikings this year, and I think Brinson and I probably thought the same thing. All they needed was for Kirk Cousins just to be slightly above average. What Sean's saying about the Bears and Mitchell Trubisky, Vikings have a really good defense Kirk Cousins doesn't have to be worth his $84 million contract. He only has to play like a $50 million quarterback. And that is what he's been doing. I mean, the last few weeks, he has looked unstoppable. And I think that we did question. He did it against some bad defense. He did it against the Giants. Everybody was like, eh, it's the Giants. That doesn't count. Now he did it against a Lions team that has looked good all season. The Lions looked good against the Packers last week. And what Kirk Cousins did, we saw Adam Thielen go down in the first quarter. So he lost one of his top receivers. Kirk Cousins of old, like, runs, hides in a closet if he loses one of his top receivers and chokes the rest of the game. This Kirk Cousins got better. And so, and he ended up with, what, 337 yards, four touchdowns. And, and he, Stefan Diggs, I don't think he's ever going to complain ever again about anything or demand to be traded. Shut your hole, Diggs. Diggs looks like, well, maybe it worked. Maybe Kirk Cousins got guilted into playing well because uh, Diggs has been just being targeted left and right ever since he complained. So, I mean, Kirk Cousins looks like one of the NFL's top quarterbacks right now. They have lost. And I never thought I'd say that. Sorry. Right. They're six – or they're, excuse me, they're five and two. They lost at Green Bay and at Chicago. Two games against good defenses they were supposed to lose. Their next four games Thursday – we mentioned this on the YouTube exclusive – 15 and a half point favorites at home against the Redskins on Thursday night. They're going to 
stone cold smoke the Redskins, except we did see them look past the Bills last night, uh, last year, uh, ahead of the, the Rams game. Uh, then they're at the Chiefs, who will probably be without Patrick Mahomes, but we don't know. At the Cowboys and the Broncos before a week 12 bye. They're running the ball really well. They're passing the ball really well. Dalvin Cook, currently leading the NFL in rushing guards, 725, 10 yards ahead of Leonard Fournette, uh, over 100 yards, or no, no, almost 100 yards ahead of Christian McCaffrey. Um, feeling pretty good about that spot. He's got to stay healthy, of course. But, man, I'm telling you, look, Sean, it's time for you to grow up and admit the Vikings are awesome. Yeah, and what's impressed me is no, no, today. Say, I, I was wrong. The Vikings are great. No. Um, so to, you don't think they're great? I think they're a good team, and I think okay, who's better, the, the Bears or the Vikings? The Vikings. Okay. Just well, didn't the Bears beat them sixteen to six? You, I thought you were going to make that argument. Oh no! I mean, I still want to see the Vikings, quite frankly, beat the Bears. Um, whenever they play again, because I think that Bears defense still gives them a lot of problems. The, if they play tomorrow. If they play tomorrow in Chicago, who wins? Vikings. Probably the Vikings, but I would this. again me, like to see it. Let me read this tweet and see if you can guess who it is. Kirk Cousins is making a lot of people look really dumb the past three weeks, especially me. Prisco? That was, just, that was my guess. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> Two By weeks the way. Two weeks in a row, Pete Prisco taking L's on quarterback evaluations. Last week, Russell Wilson. This week, uh, Kirk Cousins. Well, what's impressive is that even though he beat a winning team last week against the Eagles, we just talked about how terrible the Eagles secondary is. This came against a Lions team that even slowed down Patrick Mahomes three weeks ago. So that's what an impressive. Breach mentioned that Kirk Cousins is playing like one of the best quarterbacks in football. Here's a stat for you. Among qualified quarterbacks, he actually now leads the league in yards per attempt. He passed Mahomes on Sunday at 10 point. No, that's wrong. 9.1. So oh. he's playing lights out. I mean, I, it was really fun to watch them trying to salt away the game. And it felt like in years past, if this was Zimmer's offense or he was one calling shots, they just would have ran the ball three times, burned as much time as possible, punt, and, you know, let their defense handle it. And then they called a play-action bomb to the Stefan Diggs that iced the game. And it felt like, okay, like this is what we thought we were going to see immediately out of the gate. Like we talked about this with Gary Kubiak coming. They're going to run the ball great, and then they're going to use play-action, which – we, the stats bear out that Kirk Cousins is probably the best quarterback in football off oh. play action, and they did that. Behind Russell Wilson, but yes, close. Well, actually. <laughs> I'm just letting you – I mean, look. I'm just letting you know. Kirk Cousins is uh, came into this game eighth in value per play, according to Football Outsiders, just behind Tom Brady. That's going to certainly go up after what he did. And I think this says something about Stefanski, the offensive coordinator. Yep. Um, Sean mentioned uh, Kubiak coming in. They kicked deep Livo to the curb because Zimmer – was convinced he wasn't running the ball enough. And it all seems to be coming together. And the more they mix in the run, the more they mix in play action, the more you sort of harken back to what they had when it was Sean McVay's office coordinator and um, what's his face? Kirby Cousins was tearing it up in Washington. That was the last sort of big season he had. They gave him that $85 million contract. It hadn't worked out last year. It's working out now without without question. And now, speaking of the Redskins, the revenge game next week. What's the spread? Fifteen and a half. Oh Lord! This week, Thursday night. Right, Thursday night. You think Kirk Cousins? Thursday night. Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins is going to run it up on these guys. Going to drive his conversion van to the game and yell at the window. What does he yell when he comes to the home? You like that? And he should have Jake Root driving the conversion van. I would. I would do the impression, but I can hear my neighbor upstairs, and I think doing the Kirk Cousins, he liked that impression would cross the line. I, look, look I, uh, all right. Should we should we be worried? Are the Lions dead? 
Are they is this it? I mean, probably. Feel, feel last, year they, last year they sucked. This year they've actually been unlucky. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the division's just too good, though. Like they've lost too many games that they. Oh wait had a, a second. What game did, were we yelling about? What play was it that Matt Patricia challenged when he shouldn't have and he should have challenged last week? He challenged a pass interference uh, penalty. They had no chance of being overturned. No chance. It was a, look, it, it was a frustrated spite. Wait, wait, no. Did he challenge it or was oh, it no, intercepted? He did say, so yeah, excuse me. Excuse right, me. right. It was an it automatic was challenge. It was an automatic, okay. it was an automatic review, so he didn't challenge it. I, I, look, I give him credit. I mean, like, he gets that you, it's not good. And it was blatant pass interference and they clearly didn't overturn it. Al River on, you know, he's swirling this like tumbler full of gin. He's like, hey, I don't know, sure. He had a, he had a bad day. We're not, we're not yeah, we're not talking about. Yeah, the call no he kidding. made in the Bears. Is game. it Sunday, Sean? Sean? Yeah, yeah, Sean. What up? <laughs> does, uh, does, does today's, does today end in Y? Then Al Riveron had a bad day. Uh, it's like saying Mr. Bisky had a bad day. Well, Did we're they? not talking about it. There was a spot challenge in the Bears Saints game that Teddy Bridgewater on third down was a full yard short. I'm not lying about this of, the, of the line to gain. And everyone who was at the game was convinced it was going to be yeah. overturned. Sure enough, they come back. Playing on the field stance. Yeah, I can't believe. It. Yeah, it was. A, there was a spot in the Titans Chargers game. Right. Well, yeah, we'll get the yeah, that's yeah. We should talk about the refs after we talk about all the games, so we can point back on. to certain spots. No, uh, but you know what? Go ahead, Richard. I was going to talk about the Lions real quick. Is that they're not left for dead just because of their schedule? They have the Giants winnable, Raiders winnable, Bears winnable. You win those three games, plus being the Bears, that makes the Bears the worst team in the NFC North. Sorry, Sean. Rest in peace, Bears season. Uh, but you win those three, which are all very winnable. All of a sudden, what are they? Two, three, and one. So they're that move them up to five, three, and one. Mm-hmm. So you're there, and then you have the Cowboys and Redskins. Cowboys game is tough, but the Redskins seems like a gimme. So I, I just think because their schedule, they're not left for dead. They got the Bucks and the Broncos toward the end of the season, so they do have a lot of winnable games. And just because of how well they've been playing, it's a possible they could beat the Cowboys or the Vikings or the Packers. So. I, they, I have to, actually, they have to get to second place in that division to have a chance on a playoff, though. That's they, need true. To, they need to go four and two over those games going into um, the Vikings rematch. That, and well, let me ask you guys this. If you had a choice, if you had to say who has a better shot at making the playoffs right now, the Lions or Sean's Bears, oh. who would you say as of today? Matthew Matt Stafford play is playing awesome. He really is. Yeah. Matthew Stafford is playing really well. I, I, I tweeted this, and I, I but I'm curious if Sean. you guys agree. There's nothing – there are a few things that are like more aesthetically pleasing than Matthew Stafford bombing a ball down the field. Like he can, I and mean, he's just so effortless. Have you he ever seen Mr. Bisky throw an out pattern? <laughs> <laughs> to the left. <laughs> it, is, it is actually pleasing. No, I mean, to the point on Stafford, I've been doing the weekly quarterback power rankings. I've had him at four in the last two weeks. He's playing, I think, the best football of his career. And in part, remember when Jim Bob Cooter took over a couple years ago and Stafford's efficiency went up because he was throwing all these short passes? The thing that kind of got lost, though, is that by doing that, they were limiting his mistakes, but they were taking away like his biggest strength, which is his ability to throw the ball downfield. Yeah. And it feels like the Lions now have gone back to embracing it. That, look, he might make a few bad throws because he is a little bit inconsistent, but asking – Turning Stafford into like uh, a short passer behind the line of scrimmage is just a complete waste of his skill set. Yeah, it's like Daryl Bevel set him free somehow. <laughs> wow, that's weird. What fifth a timeline. And, um, fifth in value per play coming into this week. That's going to go up. He he and um, um Marvin uh, what's Marvin's last name? Oh, Jones. Jones. Marvin Bears. Jones. Absolutely wore wore out the uh, wore out the end zone. Try to make it tough. Uh, all right, moving along 
to another team that may be the best team in the NF- NFC. So far this semester, he has been absent nine times. Nine times? Nine times. I don't remember. <laughs> That's a nine joke. The 49ers scored nine points in a victory. You don't get a Ferris Bueller reference? Oh, come on, Ryan. I know you like no, it. Go- yeah, that's my bread and butter, but he went a long way for the joke. <laughs> I knew that's Mr. Rooney. Yeah. That's and right. Grace. I know who that is. Sean was not born when that movie came out. No, that's- that movie came out. I have seen fun. it once, though. Fun fact. Sean was not born when Ferris Bueller's Day Off came out. Sean what what was did that come out in? 85. There were eight years before you were born. Yeah, my sister wasn't even born then. Brinson was uh, a lot. And Breach. I was four years old. Yeah, I, Ferris. Yeah, I, I love. I mean, obviously, everybody loves Ferris Bueller. Um, Adam Azer does a little a little gag on the uh, on the on the Fantasy Football Today podcast where he's like, uh, okay, "What's the what's the uh, Abe?" He's like Abe Froman, Sausage King of Chicago. That's and the guy from Succession now. Wait, who? Connor in Succession? It plays. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Plays um, uh, Cameron. Cameron, Cameron uh, right. Ferris, Ferris's best friend. That's right. Anyway, the, man, I'm loopy as hell. The 49ers beat the Redskins nine to nothing. The Redskins covered the 10 point spread. The under, uh, it hit. I don't know if you guys knew that. <laughs> what under, was it? 38 and a half. Yikes. Uh, midway through the second or the first quarter, it was like 35 and it, it was a total slop fest at FedEx field. It was literally, literally just a, right. Giant puddle. Yeah, not the play. Like the puddles were a huge storm came in. Tons of puddles everywhere. Guys were doing slip and slides on the field. Um at one point at halftime the, the live over under was sixteen and a half. And it's like that, like it's it's they're not gonna get there. And they didn't. Um 49ers are six and over the third time in the Super Bowl era and just the first time since nineteen ninety. It's their first road shutout since two thousand twelve. Nine points is their fewest allowed in a franchise history. Let's not spend too long on this. The Redskins, the Redskins, by the way, opened up this game with 10 consecutive running plays. It hey, Callahan told you he's going to do that. Yep, he sure did. Um, is there any, I mean, do, what do you, what do you take away from this, Ryan? I mean, the curb stomped a, a bad football team on, on the road. I mean, well, I jumped not- on the YouTube show that the Redskins need to flood the field every time they play just to keep it close. But then, I mean, Case Keenum played, he, he, I think he, nine for 12 or something like that for 70 something yards. Who gives a crap? Uh, Adrian Peterson had a fumble because he was run 400 times and he's, you know, 85 years old. Uh, it was the, uh, a couple not so fun facts, but they're facts nonetheless. Bill Callahan is second time as head coach. Both times he's replaced a Gruden first in yep. Oakland, this time in Washington. That's interesting if that's your thing. And then, uh, the other one, it was a Mike Shanahan, or excuse me, the Kyle Shanahan revenge game. Everyone has a revenge game against the 49ers. And in this revenge game, he pitched it's a shutout. It's the Redskins, yeah. Uh, right. They're getting the Kyle Shanahan and Kirk Cousins revenge game back to back. Right. They're rough. His revenge game included a shutout of his, of his former team, and he did it without scoring a touchdown, which is a huge slap in the face to Dan Snyder and Bruce Allen. <laughs> and then he gave the game ball to his father. Oh yeah, nice. Mike Shanahan after the game because because Mike got fired. And then Mike Shanahan he, threw the ball at the owner's box and started right, pointing up right. at Dan Snyder. I have a go ahead. I have, I have a fun, two things have a, about this game. I have a fun fact really quickly. I have oh okay. I'm worried it's my fun fact, but I'll, go go for it. I'll let you go. No no no. It's your Twitter account. You started. Well, I have well, I have two things. The first is not a fun fact, but I just well I, I'm gonna get to the fun fact. I gotta save it for last for the mic drop. Um. So Jimmy Garoppolo has been in the NFL for six years. 
this is the sixth season. We finally have a full season's worth of data on him. This was his 16th career start, which seems hard to believe because he's been around forever. These are his numbers. Now he's 14 and two as a starter. So you would think he's putting up incredible numbers, right? 66.6 completion percentage. Spooky. Uh, 8.3 yards per attempt, 4,070 4, yards. That's all good, right? Here's where it gets bad. Only 22 touchdowns, 14 interceptions, 12 fumbles. Yeesh. Yeah, not all of them are lost, but 12 overall fumbles, you know, fumble recoveries are, and a 95.2 pass rating. That is just, I feel like we're just really average in general, but it's incredible that he's somehow 14 and 2 in that span. Now here is my fun fact. It comes, um, according to Doug Kazarian of ESPN, given yeah. proper credit. Yeah, friend of the, uh, friend of the program. I love Doug. Friend of the program. We hang out in Vegas all the time. The Redskins became the second team in the past 25 years to cover the spread without scoring a single point. That is a fun fact. Good job. Which is funny now, because on our YouTube Sunday show last week, I said it was a nine and a half point spread, and I said the Redskins, the 49ers will cover if you think they can score 10 points, and I think they can score 10 points. So, I mean, I was right. I was wrong about them being able to score 10 points, but I was completely right that that was the number the, Reds, the 49ers needed to get to, and I have... Um, still a little bit mad that they did not get to that number. I will say that, oh my goodness. Um, I will say that, uh, it's a less of a fun fact, maybe, mm-hmm. when, um, when you have to, you know, give it to Doug Kazarian. Uh, well, but. You're right. You just would have cited it as your own fact. That's correct. <laughs> Didn't get this from Reddit. Um, right. so I'm, I'm doing, I'm trying to make sure that I'm correct here. I think I'm, I'm oh, stealing that's this. That's weird from, for you. Yeah, I know. Uh, yeah. So here's a fun fact. What's the date today? The 21st Monday, of October. Monday, October 21st. By the oh. way, October 20th is my wedding anniversary. That's I accept your gifts. Gifts. My, my mom's birthday. Happy oh, birthday, nice. mom. Yeah. We were all down at the beach celebrating my mom's birthday. People are like, family reunion. Shut up, Pete. Uh, fun fact. <laughs> fun fact. The last time the Redskins won a home football game, October 21st, 2018. Jeez, a pizza man. Oh my goodness. And that comes against the Dallas Cowboys. When they got to four, four and two. Remember they were first place in the division. Oh right. With Alex Smith. And it feels like 10 effing years ago. Uh, Can I add to that? That fun fact, courtesy, friend of the, friend of the show, Grant Paulson. Oh yeah. I like Grant. Uh, I'll add to that on the other side of the ball. 49ers are four and oh on the road this season. They were 0 and eight last season. That's one of the reasons I, I sort of like them as my number one team in the NFC. They can win on the road. They can win anywhere. Quick. Bridge, uh, you said anything in like 10 minutes. Oh, well, I'm just, I can't believe how bad the 49ers offense is. And this game didn't tell me anything about it. And Sean already talked about Jimmy Garoppolo, how he's all flash. It's like if you have a nice smile, but you're not smart. That's, that's how analogy. he's, that's how he's playing football is that his numbers look nice, but I would not trust him to run my offense. I don't think their offense is good. But we really don't know because they haven't been tested. I mean, they played the Bengals. They played uh, the Steelers when Roethlisberger got injured. We've gone through it before. They, you know, they just played the Redskins. The Rams is the only impressive win they have. So, you know, until Jimmy Garoppolo, until that offense does something, I just don't see them. I don't view them as as a threat to win the NFC title. I mean, they're definitely a top five team in the NFC, but I don't think their offense top is five. Enough. Come on, dude. Sorry, Wilson. I know top the last. Three. What is a smile in the what, – what did you say? What does that mean? Yeah, I don't like that analogy. Your French fry on the couch was a lot better. 
I mean, look, he, ta- he takes big swings with his analogies. He's going to miss a couple, you know? It's he's, like, he's, it's he's, like he, in, in the new baseball. You go for the home run said, and strike out. He just said when you're hot, but you're dumb. That's what he said. <laughs> and who was against that? No, it's like when you get a nice apple and then you bite into it and it's rotten. I don't like you. Nobody really, nobody, <laughs> truly, nobody truly knows the burden of being both hot and smart. It's very <laughs> difficult. I, uh, excuse me. Nobody wants to deal with it. It's, uh, trust me. It's very I'm, I'm only bringing this up because Brinson mentioned Alex Smith. If he's ever <laughs> able to, just, it's a two second thing. If, if oh, he's yeah, ever to keep talking about this nine nothing game, it's great. Let's go. He I'm wants talking to about trade Alex Smith to the Bears. Go yeah, ahead. I would say if Alex Smith ever well, gets healthy enough to play again, the one team that would take a chance on him on a cheap you, contract is you, the Bears. You and these questionable quarterbacks via trade. It's like Wilson is a. He played for Matt Nagy, and like, he was an MVP candidate for half the year under Matt Nagy. He played for Andy Reid. Grow up. Moving along. Grow up, Sean. No. This is a, do you know about a, a MVP breakout, a signature win? We talked about the, uh, Deshaun Watson win in Kansas City last week. You go on the road, you gotta beat the kid, you know. Lamar Jackson goes on the road and beats Russell Wilson. 30 to 16. The Ravens covered the plus three, obviously. The under actually hit. Should, felt like the over should have hit, but they settled for a bunch of field goals early. Lamar Jackson finished with 22 fantasy points. He was, um, I, I want to say I want to say he was outstanding in this game, and I want I want to say Ryan too that um, I don't I think that his numbers in the passing game belie how he actually played. Nine of twenty for 143 yards. He would have had a really good game, or he would have had a monster overall performance and a very good passing game if Mark Andrews hadn't had his hands morph into stone blocks. That's right. He dropped three passes. Yep, one for a touchdown. That's right. One was in the end zone. Yeah, that nine for twenty for one forty three means zero. That means you didn't watch the game if you're pointing at that and being like Lamar Jackson isn't good. He ran for hundred. There are a lot of people pointed out on Twitter too. Of course they did. They look Lamar Jackson. I, I keep saying this. In two or three years, he's going to be the best player in the NFL. I absolutely love him, and I hate the Ravens. I love watching him play. You cannot tackle him. Someone made this point on Twitter. Sean may remember who it is because I can't remember because I'm old. But he reminds people of Michael Vick, but he's quicker than Vick. Vick may have been faster, but in terms of like being quick in the backfield, making people miss. He does that like unlike anyone I've ever seen. Watching him and Russell Wilson play together, I mean, I was looking forward to the game, but Russell Wilson running the ball looked like Jerome Bettis running the ball when you compared him to Lamar Jackson. And that's no slight to Russell, who is obviously in the MVP running. I want to give a shout-out to Harbs. They were going to kick on like fourth and one inside the five-yard line late in the game to take a 10-point lead. Lamar came over and said, I want to go for it. Harbs said it called a timeout. They agreed to go for it. They ran this little uh, sort of single wing keeper with Lamar. He runs in, I think it was for seven or eight yards. Decisive touchdown. They went for it. They, even if they didn't get it, and this is what a lot of coaches either understand and are too afraid to do it or they don't understand. Even if you lose on fourth and one inside the five-yard line or wherever it is, the team that now has the ball has to go the other the whole length of the field to score. Harbs understood that. He mentioned that in the postgame press conference. Credit to the Ravens. Um, they're sort of sneaking up. There are a lot of good teams in the AFC, but – I love what they're doing. I think that the, I don't want to say now it is, but I think vision is wrapped. I think it's pretty safe to say the AFC North is wrapped up, unless John the, the, the Bengals have something in store. They might, but let me take a little of that credit away from Harbs and give it all to Lamar Jackson. Yeah, 
Harbaugh literally had the field goal team out there, and everybody on Twitter was like, oh, he's so analytical, he knows everything. He was going to kick the field goal. He literally had Justin Tucker ready. The field goal was going to happen, and then Lamar Jackson came over, and Harbaugh's like, do you want to go for it? Because he could kind of tell. He had that look, you know, like a pouty kid does, and Har- and then Lamar brightened up. He's like, uh, heck yeah, I want to go for it, and they brought the offense back out. And if Jackson would have said no, they would have kicked the field goal. So Harbaugh did want to kick the field goal in this spot. It was a fourth and two from the Seahawks' eight-yard line. The game was tied at 13. So this is absolutely a pivotal moment. You kick the field goal, you're only up 16-13. Instead, you break the Seahawks' spirit because they cannot stop Lamar Jackson. He just ran all over him. And the thing is, people don't do this in Seattle. AFC teams only play up there once every eight years. So they're kind of shell-shocked when they get up there. Russell Wilson was 14 and one against AFC teams in Seattle, kind of because of that reason. They just don't know what's happening. They've never heard a crowd like that. And Lamar just kind of tuned it all out, did whatever he wanted. And I think that maybe some of us thought the Ravens could win, but I don't think any of us thought it was going to be a blowout like this. And it was all because the Seahawks had no idea what to do with Lamar Jackson. One more thing about that decision by Lamar Jackson and Harbaugh. I think he deserves credit for, you know, you know, letting his player um, talk him into it. That drive to take the lead where they went for it came after the Seahawks had a fourth and three in a tie game. And instead of going for it with Russell Wilson and Chris Carson, they tried a 53 yard field goal and they missed. And that right there, I feel like is a big difference between these two teams is that the Ravens have really embraced, you know, the new NFL movement towards analytics and, you know, letting the math dictate what you do. And Pete Carroll is kind of stuck in uh, the stone ages. Now, I think Sean, let me ask you a question because I saw people questioning that. If John Harbaugh had been in the exact situ- same situation, he has the best kicker in the league, fourth and three with the chance to take the lead on the road. You don't think he would have sent Tucker out? No. I mean, he was about to send him out on a fourth and two. No, I think that's maybe because he's- it would have made it ten points. He's historically shown in the course of this season, after saying he now is more involved in the analytics, that he does go for it a lot in those fourth and short situations in the middle of the field. No, no, the 53-yard field goal in that situation would have put him up 16-13. That was right, the, it was 13-13. to 13. I, I think he would have gone for it 13-13. Wait, 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 what? Wait, what? The score was 13-13 to 13 when they sent out Myers to kick that field goal from 53 yards. We're saying that he should have gone for it. John's asking, do you think Harbaugh would have done the same thing in that situation with Justin yes. Tucker? Hell yes. No, he would – go look back in previous – Do you think he would have kicked? No, no. I he think he would have went for it. I I think think he, yeah, sorry, sorry. I'm saying he yeah. would have gone for it. Yeah. I ended up in this weird wormhole where I was like reading tweets from Alan Robinson and Tariq Cohen about like getting in Twitter fights with writers. What does what your wife do when you're like sitting at the dinner table reading the friggin' phone the whole time? He goes, oh, no, sorry, I got caught up in this Adam Bra- Alan Robinson wormhole. Past the chicken. <laughs> Brinson, you live in a wormhole. That's literally we start talking and then Brinson zones out and it's like he comes back as soon as we stop talking and then I'm not I'm 50 percent sure he doesn't know what we said. Somebody DM me, somebody DM me the other day, they're like, I don't know if this, like, thing you do where, like, you act like you don't know what Sean and Ryan said, <laughs> like a bit, or, like, it's real. Like, it's the funniest thing on the podcast. Well, they like, need to see the photo of you. I was like, man, I was like, I wish it was a bit. <laughs> not a bit. So, uh, also, oh, boy. You know, anyway, I, 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 you know, I, I think, I think Harbaugh would have gone for it. I mean, like, Seahawks fans were freaking out. They were furious that Harbaugh didn't, that, that, uh, Pete Carroll didn't go for it. Yeah, two more points about Lamar Jackson. Uh, Ryan mentioned the Michael Vick comparisons. That was actually made by Seahawks defenders talking about like how awesome it was to play against Lamar uh, because they've never seen anything like this. The second thing I want to point out is, Brenton, you mentioned how Lamar's like statistics aren't going to look great. And I think just as an overarching point, 
this kind of points out the flaw of a stat like passer rating because it gives Lamar Jackson a 69.4 passer rating, which obviously does not sum up how well he played because he had 116 rushing yards on only 14 carries. And I do think it's a little bit of a win for a stat like QBR because QBR is the only all-encompassing um, like NFL stat or quarterback stat that takes into account designed runs. And he had a 75.0 QBR. If that if that's what his QBR over over the course of the entire season, if that's what it was, last year it would have ranked third only behind Mahomes and Breeze. So I, I, I'm not saying there's one, you know, one quarterback stat that gets at uh, how good quarterbacks are. I think you've got to take a lot of different variables into, into the equation. But I do think for this game, ignore his pass rating, look at his QBR, because so much of what he did was just running around the Seahawks could not tackle him. By the way, uh, one more thing quickly. Midway through the second quarter, Seattle's leading 7-6. They throw a ball into the end zone to DK Metcalf, and it falls incomplete. But he's being sort of mauled, not really mauled. They were sort of going after by the defender. Your boy Pete Carroll throws the challenge flag to, to challenge uh, DPI. You won't believe this. Didn't get it. So 44 PI challenges, seven overturned through six weeks, 16%. None since week three, by the way. Here's a, here's a fun fact, by the way. Lamar Jackson is 871 days younger than Mitchell Trubisky. I was no, I mean I was thinking about like if you look at the last Mitchell three drafts. Trubisky is older than Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, uh jo- probably Josh Rosen, uh and Lamar like Lamar Jackson's tw- the point was Lamar Jackson's 22. I was looking at it to compare like guys that he's uh, Trubisky's 25. Yikes. Um One year experience at UNC. I mean a whole bunch of things. By the way, Marcus Peters pick six, huge player. Oh, yeah. Been there three days. He, he, what a job baiting Russell Wilson. He yeah, dropped sometimes back. he gets burned. That time he, he dropped made... back and, and, and then dove on it. Yeah, it's a fantastic job. And he's oh. not easy to bait. That was his first interception all year. And the other part about Marcus Peters is that when the Ravens-Rams trade went down, the Ravens literally called and said, we have to do this deal today because we don't want to do it unless Peters can be on the field Sunday against the Seahawks. And that's what pushed it through. And then he pretty much made a back-breaking play. And the Ravens' defense, which hasn't looked great all year, they shut Seattle down, and they scored two defensive touchdowns. I actually thought besides Lamar just running all over and doing whatever he wanted, the Ravens' defense was the biggest surprise in this game. The Ravens' That's offense true. didn't score a touchdown in the first – or they didn't score a touchdown in the first half. Like, we're giving all this credit to Lamar, but this was the Ravens' defense for half the game. By the way, it was a couple – one other thing, just really quickly on Lamar. Like, you could see it. There was a third down pass he made to uh, Mark Andrews on the side – on the right on the right sideline. And like he's running out and he, I mean, it is a laser. And then oh, later Hayden he, Hurst. Hayden Hurst. Was it a Hayden Hurst or Mark Andrews? Yeah. Cause I oh, know it was Hayden Hurst. You're right. You're right. You're right. So I was Hurst. like, Oh my God. Yep. I'm with you. Um, what's the funny show? And just, why were you like, Oh my God. It was, the as Prince was about was, to tell you. I mean, but like the, the thing that, the thing that I thought Lamar did that was very Mahomesian, he was using all kinds of arm slots. Yes. Like, like side stuff. Like, I mean, He's he's getting a lot better. He's only 22. If you doubt Lamar Jackson right now, you're a moron, and yeah, it's gonna blow up in your face in a bad way. By the way, little uh, mind meld between Debo and uh, Ryan Wilson. Debo slacked me and said, "Just mention that uh, Marcus Peters pick and let's keep it rolling." And Ryan immediately said it at the exact same time. Crazy. Colts, Texans, Colts 30, Texans 23. Colts cover the one and a half fairly easily. Uh, over hits at 46 and a half. Jacoby Brissett with a big old game. I mean, a big game. And nobody's really talking about this because all the other stuff that happened. But Jacoby Brissett went 26 to 39, 326 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions. And on a day when the run game wasn't really working with Marlon Mack, he's winging it to 
Zach Pascal. T.Y. Hilton, six catches, 74 yards and a touchdown. Eric Ebron had one of the best catches you'll ever see. John Breach tweeted about it nine times. Pascal, six catches, 106 yards and two touchdowns. Did he use the hashtag, though? Yeah. Hashtag Colts, hashtag Texans. Hashtag, Has- hashtag brand breach. <laughs> breach brand. Um, Brissett was awesome, and the Colts are now four and two. And I uh, don't want to alarm anybody, but they're in first place in the AFC South and, frankly, look like the best team. Yeah, I, you know, I said, I wrote something earlier this week about how the whole AFC South race is like a Hallmark Christmas movie where at first you think it's trash, but then you get sucked into it and all of a sudden you can't stop watching. And that's literally how I felt about this game. It was like, you thought maybe one team, because the Texans have been playing so well on offense lately, they've been protecting Deshaun Watson. If they keep doing that, they might put up 40 points against the Colts, but then, that's not what happened. The Colts had all their guys back. They sacked Deshaun Watson three times. And if we've seen Deshaun Watson, we've learned one thing about him for the first three or four weeks. It's that once you start putting pressure on him, he struggles. You know, I think we talked about if he's if he sacked zero or one time, he has never lost in his career. He's seven and oh. Colts sacked him three times, forced him into two interceptions, and just kept putting pressure on him. And Watson is just not a great quarterback. Under pressure. So I, I was really impressed. And I know, Brinson, you just talked about Jacoby. I was really impressed with the Colts defense, though. Uh, I will say this. And Brinson sort of hinted at it. It wasn't like a super sexy game to watch in terms of the Colts are blowing the doors off the Texans. And they're both really good teams. Right now, I think the Colts are the second best team in the FC. <whistles> Brinson's smirking. We know about the Patriots. The Bills won today. And, again, their quarterback situation is, is like Chicago's but better. Uh, the Ravens were awesome, but I still have questions there. The Colts, I think I'm on the Colts bandwagon with Jacoby Brissett in that defense, and above all else, Frank Reich and Chris Ballard. When Andrew Luck retired in August, did you ever think you would be saying that in October? No. I, I wasn't concerned about Jacoby Brissett, but I mean, think of eight and eight. Okay, that's, that's fine with Jacoby Brissett, but they're, I mean, they're five and four and two. All right, so let me ask you this. So we're, um, I, I, I mentioned that before the season that me and I, I told, I, I told you I went big on the Colts to win the division. Um, and then luck retired and my friends and I had a window where like after like the, when luck retired within like an hour, um, the over under was still up at nine and a half and we took the under at nine and a half and mm-hmm. we don't, so we have a division when the, so like th- there's a, there's a window where like they can go nine and seven, win the division and it's gravy. There's also a window where they can go 10 and six, lose the division and we're double F. Uh, should we be happy or sad about them being four two right now? Like, because we want nine and seven a division winner. That's best case. Should we be happy or sad right now? I think they're right there. I mean, they're right on pace. It feels like, doesn't it? Yeah, it's you all. Should be the, happy. I'll tell you this though: if you start to look at their schedule, there is a decent chance they have the Broncos this coming week, and the Broncos are dead men walking after that Thursday night game. <laughs> then they're at the Steelers. Who suck? Yeah. Then they get the Dolphins at home and the Jaguars at home before oh, they're going to lose. Texans again on a Thursday night. They're about to rip off four straight wins. Mm-hmm. Brent, keep, Brenton, keep going. Then they get the Titans, Buccaneers, mm. Saints, mm. Panthers, Jaguars. What would you say about being double left? Double we might be double left. I think you might be. No, no, no. If they win the division at 10-6, and six, it's fine. Like it's As long as they oh, win okay, the division, you. it doesn't matter. If oh, they go 10-6 lose then. the division, we're double left. Yeah, you should be talking about 10-6 and six winning the division. I think well, you're – yeah. More I like mean, it. at this point, 10 wins feels like a lock almost. You just, right. If they can sneak one away from the Saints or Panthers, they mm-hmm. get up to 11 wins. It was just crazy because, like, 
I mean, I just just to remind you guys, they did lose to the Raiders a few weeks ago at home. That's what I'm saying. Like three weeks ago, they lost to the Raiders at home. It's like, well, this team might suck. And then they go in and beat the Chiefs, take the bye, handle the Colts. I mean, look, I bet they go three and one or two and two in these in these next four games, but they're very winnable. Um, and then you know, four of their next their final six games are on the road. And the Saints and Panthers are, are good. The Jaguars can be trouble, but they get the Jaguars twice. I, I don't know. Like I don't know what to, we don't we don't know what to think. Yeah, I do Texans- think though a, a hierarchy has been established in the South, where it's like after Luck retired in the first couple of weeks of the season, it felt like we we're all going back and forth on who could actually win the division. I mean, the Titans beat the Browns, right? It's a we're running about- gag on this podcast that Breach doesn't know who to pick to win. But the I do think we now know, like the Dude, you go Colts, right, Breach? Jags are back in it, man. I know he's right. Jags right. are back in it. No, I, I think the Colts, but yeah, the Jags. But I, I, I think there's only two teams. I mean, I don't, I would not think? put the Jags in there. I think it's the Texans or the Colts are going to win the division. I think that's the hierarchy we've established. We, we know the two teams that aren't going to win it, and now we know where it's way to come go down out to. on a limb. Sean. I know. You just well, said the Jaguars are in it. But yeah, definitely out on a limb. They have a losing record. They're in third place. Well, sometimes going out on a limb is not good if it's dumb. Yeah. Well, your limb is not even existent because you're not on it. You just got dunked on, Sean, with an analogy. I don't even know what that means. My limb is... Your limb is like a piece of pizza. If it doesn't have mushrooms on it, then you're just dead. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, what don't you understand? Hashtag breach analogies. Um, (laughs) Too far. That's pretty good. By the way, Sean makes fun of me for laughing at my jokes. You're about to fall out of your chair laughing at your own joke. (laughs) And you said that's pretty good. That was pretty good. I don't know. That um, but the, the problem with the Texans is, like, this is the, – the, the most impressive thing about the Colts is that they lost a would-be Hall of Fame former number one overall quarterback three – like, two weeks before the season, and they're not flinching. Like, their coaching is so good. Chris Ballard's done such a good job building out this roster. They have so much depth on both sides of the ball. Matt Eberflus should be a head coaching candidate this all season. This guy's like that defense shouldn't be great, and they're not great, but they're pretty darn good. So I give them a ton of credit. Um, Terry Leonard came back after three games, had a I think he had an interception at the end there. Great interception. Yeah, great interception. Deshaun Watson was okay in this game. I didn't. He was asked to do a lot. Yeah, as Breach pointed out, when you start beating him up, he ain't who he thought he was. But again. they were down twenty one nine in the early in the third quarter, and it was sort of felt like they were. That's not the game they need. I mean, obviously, no one wants to be down twenty one nine, but like, I, I don't know that that's how they need to play their game. And the Colts, credit to the Colts, they didn't take their foot off the gas. And also, you know, like like, like to make fun of Bill O'Brien. He went for it twice on fourth, fourth and um, fourth and whatever situations late in the game. Got the first one, didn't get the second one, but at least he went for it. I don't think we should applaud people for that, but we're still not at the point where that's obvious. So. We like to make fun of Bob for some of his play calling decisions. No issue with that. Also had a great red zone call early in the game, a little like option to one of the wide receivers. Um, that was a pretty slick play too. I was impressed with him. Yeah. Did you start uh, Zach Pasco in fantasy? Of course. Yeah, of course uh, you did. Who didn't? No. Uh, by the way, Colts with four passing touchdowns in the game the past 30 seasons. Peyton Manning did it 22 times. Andrew Luck 11. Jim Harbaugh once in '97, and Jacoby Brissett once on October 20th. Happy birthday, mom! Titans 23. I don't know. Titans 23. Chargers 20. Mm. My mom's birthday. Happy anniversary, Ryan. Thank you. Um, I think you should take 20 minutes to talk about why the Chargers and Phil Rivers are straight doo doo. <laughs> I got team. I got pretty worked up about this one. Did I don't you know take your doll did. with you? 
Did you see my dolls right over my shoulder? Oh, He's a little bit uh, discarded, though. He was definitely fidgeting with them during the game. <laughs> he was crying. There he is. He's pointing Philip Rivers' face down for being not. I don't know whether to be more angry at Mike Vrabel or the or or uh, or Anthony Lynn because they're both morons. Which part for Vrabel? Mike Lynn, Vrabel. Lynn for sure. First of all, Mike Vrabel, there was a turnover on downs on a very obvious spot. And, uh, by the way, the Titans, uh, Titans were minus two and a half or minus three, depending on what you got. Over was 42 and a half. Somehow this friggin' game went over. Should have never gone over. Uh, the Titans it covered if you got him at two and a half, clearly 23-20. Uh, Phillip Rivers had a pretty nice game, but, um, at midfield, the Titans are looking to ice the game out and, they go for it on fourth down and one. And I, I applaud it. Mike Vrabel, good job. Quarterback sneaks Ryan Tannehill. He clearly gets it. And these refs come running it. What do you mean? What are you shaking your head at, Ryan? He clearly he, got I it. I don't think he did. I'm fine with you challenging it. My issue with the only issue he that he didn't did. challenge it. No, no. I'm, 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 I'm fine with you challenging Vrabel about not challenging it. My only issue with the play call with Tannehill, you definitely go for it there. He jumped straight up. Like Tom Brady, Drew Brees, exactly. they dumped that. That's not how you quarterback sneak it. No, what, you don't. What, who was that? It was Case Keenum. Yeah, it was the Keenum like goal line thing. It was like it was a jump ball before the, you start, go, the start of the basketball you game. You go low and right. you just burrow as far as you can, that and then the refs have no choice but to give you the first down. They default to giving you the first down. Why does everyone suck at this? You just go low and burrow, and God, it's so annoying. So anyway, they do that, and they they don't get it. They don't overturn it. Vrabel's like got his challenge flag out, but then the ref somehow talks him out of it. He's clearly flustered. Rivers marches them, and this is after the, the, the Chargers had scored immediately on a, on a pass to Austin Eckler, who, by the way, is so much better than Melvin Gordon, and they try to shoehorn this stupid offense with Melvin Gordon since he came back from the holdout, and it sucks, and when they, they get down by 14 points, they run the offense through Austin Eckler, and it looks good, and it looks like what the offense looked like the first few weeks, and the Chargers are actually interesting. So anyway, they get down to the goal line, and they have, uh, I, like I went through and wrote about this earlier, so I don't, I don't want to make sure I don't want to mess it up. They had first and goal at the one yard line because Austin Eckler looks like he scores. It's ruled a touchdown. Uh, they come back and review it and they say, hold on. Um, he wasn't in. He's down at the one. There's 39 seconds on the clock. They're like, because we did an official review, we have to run an automatic 10 second runoff of the clock. The Chargers are like, well, crap, we're out of timeouts. You know, go ahead and run it. Mike Vrabel declines the runoff. And uses one of his own timeouts to decline well, the 10 second runoff. That's okay though. Yeah, I agree with, I thought he made the smart call there. No. He wants it's to, stupid. you can't, uh, but they're at the one yard line. They're going to have time for at least two plays no matter what. If they score, you need time to score. You're playing the biggest group of morons in the NFL. I, yeah, but that's constantly not. constantly poop their pants in it, It's, it's what Belichick like did in the Super Bowl when exactly. he didn't take the timeout at the one yard line because the Seahawks in a way were expecting them to take a timeout and he wanted to see them handle the situation where they have an awkward timeout situation. They might not be able to run the Sean, ball. Sean jokes about, and he's not even wrong because it happened again today. Phillip Rivers walking off with his head up in the, like in the sky, like pouting, like, why, what did I do this? Why do, why can I win the big one? It happens every Sunday. So make Rivers and Anthony Lynn deal with a running clock. Give with no timeouts. But there was no review in the Seahawks-Patriots Super Bowl at that point. Seahawks had to run up and run a play without thinking. The clock, the, the refs stopped to review, so the Chargers basically got a free timeout to talk over the play. The Seahawks never got that chance. So that's that what, that's what, that's a completely different situation. 
Yeah, because well, they well, had time to huddle. One is at the Super Bowl and one is at the Patriots. The, the, the Chargers crapping their pants on a casual Sunday. All right, go after. ahead. Keep going with the play. So, so 39 anyway, seconds. Immediately after – yeah, Vrabel calls a timeout. Immediately after, the Chargers get a false start. And it's like this is – like, go ahead, back it up. Back it up, baby. Go back to the 50 and punt for all I care. Um, they get they get, back, they get a false start. Rivers throws the innocent to Mike Williams. There's a, a, a BS uh, PI flag called on, on Malcolm Brown. They get another Dr. first Butler. down and one. Dr. Butler, excuse me. They get another first down and one at the at the goal again. Now there's 34 seconds. And they run Melvin Gordon and they like signal touchdown. So this is their second touchdown in the past like <laughs> ten, like ten seconds. The rest review it. They come back. They're like, nope, he was down. Now we do have to take a ten second runoff, and so they they actually do the ten second runoff. Vrabel doesn't call a timeout this time around because he's like, oh, crap, I should have done it before. It should be down to nine seconds. It's not. It's down to 19. Uh, it's down to 20, whatever, whatever the hell it is. Brendan, let me agree with you real quick, though, because he should have done one or the other. Like, either you want the time or you don't. That is where I thought he blew right. it. Like, if you want the time, you use both timeouts. If you don't want the time, you let the 10 seconds run off both times. You're not split there. And yeah. just for one added context to make sure everyone understands, a field goal by the Chargers sends this game to overtime. So, like, the oh, touchdown yeah. is the cherry on the top, but you've got to get three. You've got to get three. You in, cannot... in Vrabel's defense, the first time he called a timeout, and then he realized the Chargers are morons, so he's like, I'm done. I'll let them kill yeah. themselves. After the, the false start, he's like, why did I do that? <laughs> he took his headset off and walked back to the locker room. Right. Cause the, yeah. Cause the, anyway, so the Chargers go for it and don't get it. Now there's a 10 second runoff and I believe there's nine, no, no, there's 22 seconds, right? Yes, 22 seconds. There's 22 seconds and the clock is going to start when the, when the, when he winds it, his clock's going to start. The Chargers run Melvin Gordon again up the middle and he doesn't get it, but it looks like he fumbles and the Titans have the ball with like eight seconds left. And it's utter pandemonium and just total chaos. So they go to review it. And, like, as it turns out, upon further review, he did fumble. Titans ball, game over. Tannehill takes a knee. And even if he hadn't fumbled, there would have been a 10-second runoff because the Chargers are too stupid and didn't pass the ball. Because, as Sean points out, if they run the ball and they don't get it, the clock keeps running and they can't kick the field goal. They're morons. uh, What I was going to say is that in the moment, you couldn't tell if he had fumbled or not. And the Chargers were just standing around, and the clock was still running live. And it was like, are they going to go up and spike it? Like, what are they doing? And they were just standing there. And I saw the time. The Titans player grabbed the ball is like running down the field, and Brave was like, no. No, no, you're gonna get a delay a game. It was like a, it was, it was like, it was an absolute stupid off, and the Titans won. I guess. By the also, way, stop I, giving I, the ball to Melvin Gordon. Off well, the there's a better player. They didn't and score. Goes go, Ryan. Okay, I was gonna say they didn't score on the Melvin Gordon uh, final play, and yet they had to stop the clock, which is another blunder by the refs. But they did get it right. Credit to them for that. And one last thing, and then you can talk a breach. Why on God's green earth? Number one, you mentioned Eckler Brenson. Why not just have Philip Rivers do the non Tannehill QB sneak? And you don't have to worry about it. You win the football game. Yeah. Well, this is the thing. Like, this is a fireable sequence for Anthony Lynn. That is how bad this was. Because, look, the Chargers were out of timeouts, but they got two free timeouts with these reviews. They were literally able to go walk to the sideline, talk this over, and say, hey, if Anthony Lynn calls Melvin Gordon up the middle, Philip Rivers can say, hey, man, he held out. He kind of sucks. I don't think we should give him the ball. Maybe we should throw it because we need a field goal. 
there was like nobody questioned this play call. Philip Rivers has been in the league since 2004. Like there, there's no common sense on that sideline. All these heartbreaking Chargers losses, they deserve them because they do stupid things like this. They were literally granted two free timeouts in the final 30 seconds and still came out to run the ball two separate times when they had no timeouts and the clock ran out and it didn't make any sense because they only needed three points to get the game to overtime. So, I mean, this was literally the, one of the worst coaching situations I've ever seen. Melvin Gordon averaged two yards a carry on 16 carries. Austin Eckler was targeted eight times for seven catches, 118 yards and a touchdown. When he's out there, that offense rolls. And I know that Someone, a little prevent, but like, this is the offense they ran the first few weeks. What are you doing? Someone, someone pointed out on Twitter that if Austin Eckler is your running back in a situation where you have to score points, like yes. when you're trailing, then shouldn't he just always be your running back? Like, what? At the end of a game, Maybe it was Greg when, when you're down, yeah, I think you're right. At the end of the game, when you're down points, you're putting him in because he's more multidimensional than Melvin Gordon. You should probably just have him in from the get-go. Yeah. And the other thing I was going to say, you mentioned this on Twitter, actually, Brinson. Like, what? I know the Chargers lost Patrick, or the Chiefs lost Patrick Mahomes, but like, what a, what a win for, the for them for, for on yeah. Sunday because every single team, starting with the Broncos, obviously on Thursday night against the Chiefs. Every team in the AFC West that was in a position to capitalize on this three-week absence that Mahomes is going to be gone completely doo-dooed themselves in the pants. And <laughs> you mentioned this. This is like peak Chargers. Mahomes is out for weeks. This is your window. They're two and five. I have no idea they're how in they're the two and five. They're in last place. How are they two and five? I this don't know. Two, I know they're hurt. This is not a two and five team. Can I ask a question? Who has a, and I'm not joking. Who has a better quarterback situation right now? Ryan Tannehill and the Titans or Phillip Rivers and the Chargers? Fair question. That's a trick. That's a tongue twister, Ryan. Chargers. Rosenthal and I were tweeting about this and like, I, I think there's a decent chance. I I don't know if he would want, I don't know. I don't know how he's going to do this, but like, Phil might have to go somewhere else. He ain't moving with his 25 kids from Southern California, unless it's back to Alabama. They have a football team. Nashville. I would rather have Ryan Tannehill. Well, you're going to, I mean, but Rivers is, are the Chargers going to sign Rivers to a new deal? They didn't sign, he's, he's in the his contract year. situation. He's in the final year of his contract. Expires after the season. I mean, he might just leave and go like, he had, all right, all right, we got to move on. We can talk about Rivers later. There's plenty of time to talk about it. Um, we're at, with this podcast already long. Debo's but real quick, Rabel looked like a genius for starting Ryan Tannehill. I just wanted to throw that out. Being the guy in Nashville, sure. uh, Tannehill made the offense look awesome. I think they're a contender in the AFC South now. Oh yeah, I bet the I bet the bar buzz in Nashville is all about Ryan Tannehill. Uh, moving on. Oh, uh, uh, Debo did you a solid. He didn't wait. He didn't let me do the joke where I can. He moved the Bengals up in the rundown. Usually I like the joke where I'm like, well that's all the games, guys, and uh, and then Breach gets mad. But nope. Jags 27, Bengals 17. The Jags covered easily. The total pushed 44. Ooh. Gardner Minshew, Andy Dalton, Leonard Fournette all had 20 points in fantasy. Leonard Fournette is actually the uh, second-leading rusher in the NFL, 715 yards behind Dalvin Cook, moved ahead of Christian McCaffrey. Clearly, those guys are at seven games, McCaffrey six. Um, Nick Chubb right after that, and then Zeke Elliott is in the 600 range as well. Uh, is the – John, look, we don't need to talk about a stupid game. Two bad teams. Nobody gives a crap about them. So, John, take two minutes and talk about – where you're at with the Bengals here, because this is this is sad. I think that I am ready for Andy Dalton to be traded. I am the biggest Dalton ah. supporter in the world, but here's where I think the Bengals are. They're not going anywhere. I will say that they have kept games 
and made them fun to watch this season. Like, you know, the Dolphins have been getting blown out, and I say this every week. But, like, the Bengals played a crazy good game against the Seahawks. The, the game against the Cardinals was entertaining. This game was entertaining. This game was a 17-10 game in the fourth quarter with five minutes left. So, like, this was actually, if you're watching this game trying to enjoy it, it wasn't horrible. But the thing is, Dalton did those things that Dalton does. He threw one of the worst pick sixes. Literally, you need to Google this. If you are near a computer, if you have your phone, just Google Andy Dalton, Jaguars pick six, and is the ugliest thing. It was Mitchell Trubisky-esque. It was that bad. Uh, and that cost the Bengals the game. That, that's it. It was over after that. The, the score was 17 to 10. This was uh, in the fourth quarter with 418 left. Jags went up 24 to 10, and it was all over. And then he threw another pick on his very next throw on their next possession. So if it wasn't over with that pick six, it was definitely over there. It was three interceptions total. And I just don't think he needs to take this time to figure out this offense. I know he doesn't have A.J. Green, but if you move him, you just let Ryan Finley start the rest of the season. I do not think they should bench Andy Dalton. So either trade him or they keep him and let him finish out the season. Uh, and I, I don't hate the idea of trading him to the Bears and just say, you know what? We're rebuilding. This is it. We'll draft our quarterback. We're going to go 1-15. in 15. We're going to out-tank the Dolphins. We'll get the top pick, and you go from there. And they have a good enough core that they could be competitive in the next year or two if they just decide what they want to do and what they should do is burn it down and start over. Two things. One, it's it's so sweet and adorable that you think the Bengals are going to win a game this year. Um, two, uh, we did a poll on Twitter. We had a discussion in our Slack chat room. I, I don't know. I was just like thinking like, man, like I was watching this game. It's like, these teams sucks. Like, who wants to watch this Bengals game? Like, every week in and week out. Like, Zach Taylor, like, staring confused. He's like, he's like quasi-serious from the sidelines, like, staring confusedly as his team gets slaughtered. Uh, they don't want to trade AG Green. They don't want to trade Andy Dalton. So I was like, would I rather sit on my couch and, like, get to watch Netflix and not worry about anything and eat a small jar of mayonnaise, which you gotta eat spoonfuls of mayonnaise, which is disgusting, or would I rather watch every minute of every Bengals game of this entire season? And so I asked you guys that, and, um, the, the results were varying. I, I did a poll on Twitter about it. Uh, 57% said they would rather watch the Bengals, which is pretty remarkable. See, I voted not, for that. Yeah, but Thank that, you, that's, Sean. But that's not a win. 57% of people said that they would rather watch professional, a professional football team as opposed to eating a jar of slimy, gooey southern butternaise. uh, once a month. Four jars of mayonnaise in the span of a month. A, you'd get fat. B, you'd be Using the bathroom a bunch. Uh, C, you'd have to eat mayonnaise every, every, I mean, just mayonnaise is disgusting. And to be clear, you can't, like, put the jar on. Like, that's why I was like, can I add a bunch of tuna? Sandwich with a bunch of mayonnaise on it, or, and you're not like, you're not, you're not like making tuna salad or something. You're eating spoonfuls of mayonnaise. But but the flip side of that is, can you drink tequila while you're watching these Bengals games to kind of help you? Tequila and mayonnaise? You think that's going to make it better? No, no, because you can't. Mayonnaise is separate from the the, Yeah, it's mayonnaise or Bengals. Yeah. The mayonnaise that you're not eating mayonnaise while watching the Bengals, Sean, that'd just be ridiculous. Can I point out that uh, the leading rusher was Andy Dalton for the Bengals for carries? carries for 33 yards uh, and so i'm glad you pointed out because if you take dalton's yardage out the Bengals rush for zero yards speaking Next of zero. speaking dalton of dalton's yardage dalton. speaking of dalton's yardage i think it's time for a quick trubisky dalton tattoo sticker bet update the nfl record for passing yards in a single season is 5477 set by peyton manning in 2013 andy dalton is now more than a thousand yards off the pace at 4395 
Right. It'll still just be his second 4,000 yard season. Like, he's having the second best year of his career. And it's absolutely well, that was dumb. the thing I was going to ask Breach is that I feel like, look, I'm going to admit, I don't watch many of these Bengals games except when they come on red zone. How do you rush and, 16 times for zero? Well, look, this is what I want to ask. He always ends up with like 250 yards, but I swear to God, at the second quarter of every game, I somehow just flip on over to see the box score. And today I looked in like the second quarter, he was three of 11 to for 23 yards. I feel like this is every single game in the first half. He's like two Two of 10 for 18 yards or something. Yeah. It is every single game, and that's why I would not eat the mayonnaise I watch because then they make the game interesting somehow. I don't know how an 0-7 team has a one-point loss to the Seahawks, a four-point loss to the Bills, a three-point loss to the Cardinals, a six-point loss to the Ravens. It makes no sense because they get blown out for the first John, half. John, we're not going to let you do this. You one final They could be. They could be four and three, guys. <laughs> It could be so, seven and zero. Wait, so, no, breach. If they would have kept Marvin Lewis, breach. I have one. Right, right, we gotta move on. No, 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 one, no. One question. One question. Do you admit that ten and six is finally off the table? Because they're zero and seven. Yeah. That's I mean, the joke. Does, yeah. Can you, you forfeit a game if you Marvin Lee? Lewis? By the way, because like talking about a guy like Arizona State's role. Arizona State looks good. Marvin Lewis is coaching there with Herm, living lo- love and life. The Bengals look like they have have a massive downgrade in coaching somehow. Um, Our plan to cover the Bengals-Dolphins game in Miami in Week 16 on site is – Funny you should mention the Dolphins because they're the next team we're talking about. Bills 31, Dolphins 21. The Dolphins covered the 17-point spread. The over hit thanks to Micah Hyde taking an onside kick to the house in the waning moments of this game and Ryan Fitzpatrick refusing to die. You little bearded zombie, you. Josh Allen, 23 fantasy points. Uh, Christian Wilkins was ejected. The Dolphins actually had a lead in the fourth quarter. Devontae Parker, six catches, 82 yards and a touchdown. Not sure how you feel about that. Sean and Ryan, uh, three touch, three receiving touchdowns. And um, this is like the closest maybe that the Dolphins were going to get for a while to winning a football game until they play the Bengals. Well, well, very quickly, Ryan, you're, you're our resident whatever Buffalo guy. Um, yeah. Uh, slow uh, start. Um, the very first play, the office, very first office play of the game for the Dolphins, I thought was going to be a harbinger of things to come. Um, Ryan Fitzpatrick turned around and threw a, a backwards pass to the, to the running back and it, it went for like a 10 yard loss. <laughs> he somehow salvaged that. Uh, Fitzpatrick didn't play terribly. I thought that, uh, Josh Allen made some decent throws, which we hadn't seen Josh a lot Allen. of. Oh, sorry. I thought it was Josh Rosen. Yeah, no, Josh Allen of the, of the Bills. And the Bills defense woke up late and they made some plays. I feel like the Dolphins right now are sort of a trap game team. And I don't really put much into the final score in terms of what it means for the, for the Bills. And it concerns me going forward because there's, I feel like the, the Dolphins as a trap game team could go to Pittsburgh and win that football game. But the Bills are still like a top three, four team for me in the AFC. It all comes down, and we always compare them to the Bears. How is Josh Allen going to play from one week to the next? If he continues to improve, continues to minimize the mistakes, they're going to be a good football team. They're going to make the playoffs. If not, they could slide towards the in the second half of the old season there. All right. Uh, Yeah, Breach, go ahead. Fun fact, the Bills had given up zero points in the second quarter all season. They played the Jets, Giants, Bengals, Patriots, Titans. None of those teams scored on them in the second quarter. The Miami Dolphins scored 14 points on the Bills' defense in the second quarter. Mm, that is a fun fact. All right, let's get moving. Nobody cares about this game. <laughs> the Dolphins stink. The Bills are fine. They'll make the playoffs, but they're, they're fine. Uh, By the way, Brian Flores 
He's not a great coach. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm with you there. I'm not sure he's great. Uh, Rams 37. Just, no, two more games. Rams 37, Falcons 10. Matt Ryan is injured late in this game. The Rams easily covered the under actually hit uh, for the, uh, I think the seventh straight week. The Falcons team, the opponents, Falcons opponents team total over is hit. I mentioned hitting that. Go ahead and bang whoever is playing the Falcons, their team total over because the Falcons suck. They're the worst. They might, they, they might be the most disappointing team in football. Yeah. And this more close. than the Chargers. Yes. Yeah. I think so. I mean, I don't, I don't the equal grant. I mean. The, the, well, the thing hard. is, this Chargers are blowing games, like, but at least they're in them. You know what I mean? They have a chance yeah. to win. The Falcons don't have a shot to win by the end of the first half and every every single week. Jared Goff had a nice game, bounce back situation for Todd Gurley. Jalen Ramsey played well. Uh, Rams had a three game losing streak. They put up a bunch of points. The Falcons have lost five straight. They're four and eleven. Their past fifteen games. Um, Matt Ryan is supposedly his injury is not serious, but he's 16 to 27 for 159 yards, no touchdowns, left the game with an ankle injury. We got to see some Matt Schaub, our old friend. Uh, Dante Fowler, three sacks. I, I, I don't know what to say about the Falcons anymore. They are garbage. Can I add a couple things here? You can do whatever you want. Uh, with about 12 minutes to go in the second quarter, this stat flashed across the screen. Atlanta had gone 266 plays without a sack dating back to September 21st. They didn't get a sack in this game at all, so that that uh, has gone up uh, several more plays. And Atlanta's defense is so bad that Jared Goff duped the doo-doo out of Deion Jones, who is the most athletic player on that defense, oh, yeah. That's on his run into the end zone, into the old Russell Wilson stick the ball out as he crossed the end zone just to mock the rest of that. I mean, He shattered his ankles. Like De- Deion Jones had a straight line to Jared Goff, and he just juked him left and went right. It's brutal. Arthur Blank said he's not going to fire Dan Quinn. Should he fire Dan Quinn? Into after the bye. Week, if they lose to the Seahawks. That's right. They're going to lose to the Seahawks, go into the bye. And look, he fired both coordinators last year. He wanted to take over the defensive play calling. He did that. And then he said after this loss that he's going to help spread, let other people call plays on defense as if to spread the blame around and try to, you know, deflect from him being not great at what's going on. So I don't know why you would keep him after the bye. That means I do give up on the season. He should fly back to Seattle with the Seahawks. Is that, that's where he came from. Yep. It's a fitting end I, to his career as a Falcons coach. Ooh, interesting little uh, nugget here. Then I guess the Ryan. Well, Ryan, you better take the Falcons against the spread in the Seahawks game. Oh yeah, a theory Your that conspiracy. The, uh, Ooh, the mental uh. or the guy like like Dan Quinn's about to get fired. Do you think Pete Carroll's just going to run it up on him? Pete Carroll is extremely optimistic too, so I could see him feeling sorry for. Yeah, that's a good one. But Pete, I just, but Pete Carroll did just lose at home to the the Ravens, so he may be concerned about that. Um. By the way, Matt Ryan hasn't missed a start since 2009, his second season. Yeah. So if he does miss it, um, I think he has the third longest streak or something like that um, among quarterbacks. I'm trying to go take a screenshot of the um, of when uh, Devontae Freeman got ejected. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, did you guys see this? Why are you? Why do football players punch players in the head? They're wearing What's, a helmet. Did you see Aaron Donald pick him up? No. <laughs> you, have you not seen this? I saw it I like in passing. Aaron Donald's like holding him up. It's like an Andre the Giant choke slam move. Like he's holding tiny little Devontae Freeman up in the air. Like I'll kill you. And Devontae Freeman's like wildly punching in his face. It's one insane. more thing. One more reason. Uh, um, I look forward to that tweet. One more thing. Dan, why Dan Quinn should be fired. And you actually mentioned this. I think you tweeted it out, Brinson. He was the only person on planet Earth and probably in the solar system that didn't know that Johnny Hecker was going to run that fake punt. <laughs> Or was it a fake field goal? What was the no, last? No, it was a fake, fake punt. punt. It was a great yeah. fake punt. The Dolphins yeah. fake field goals, which you talking about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. But um, I think that was pretty obvious too that uh, 
the Johnny Hecker one? Because Johnny Hecker actually he has twenty completions now, I believe. He's arguably the best quarterback on that team. Yeah, he's better than Jared Goff. Well, we talking about, uh, we're talking about qualified, uh, what was it, qualified passer rating or something? Like, Johnny Hecker has the higher, no, like Johnny Hecker's yards per attempt is like number two in the NFL. Yeah, I think Antoine Randall has the record for at least 20 pass attempts. He has a perfect passer rating. Uh, yeah, anyway, the, the Rams, the Rams are, the, look, this is a big win for the Rams. They get the Bengals next week and then the bye. They, <laughs> they, that's an automatic, two automatic wins. Right, that's right. But, but like, they should have beaten Seattle if, 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 um, Zerline makes that field goal and they'd be five and two right now. With a with a game against the Bengals before the bye, six and two with the you know if they're six and two and you trade for Jalen Ramsey, it's a whole different ball game. So, um, in in uh, in that sense, I think the Rams are in okay shape. They can still make the playoffs. Big loss for the Seahawks. A good day for the Rams as a whole outside of the Niners winning. I do uh, think the NFC West has overtaken the NFC North as the best division in football, which is I a nice segue that. to the Cardinals game. That's a great segue to the Cardinals game. Let's move on. Cardinals 27, Giants 21. The Cardinals dogs on the road. Uh, my money line dog probably almost won, except the Eagles coughed it up. The under actually hit this game despite a ton of points. Chase Edmonds, the top fantasy performer, and the mm. Cardinals trolled everybody by saying you should do the little meme sign or like the, or like the, the, the Twitter meme thing where it's like you should have started Chase Edmonds. It's like, hey, jerk faces. You made David Johnson active even though he wasn't going to play. Three snaps. Yeah. Did you start David Johnson, Sean? Yes. And I had Chase Edmonds at one point in my roster, but I had to drop him for a quarterback when Mahomes got hurt. Ooh. I started Chase Edmonds in a couple of leagues, actually. Oh, good for you. Yep. I'm a genius. Um, You're a staple genius. Three wins in a row for Arizona. Three, three, and one, right? Could be four, yes. could be four and three, if not for Matt Patricia. And Kyler Murray every single week. No, they, they should have lost that game. They should have lost that game. Kyler Murray's good. He's yeah. just flat out good. He reminds me so much of – I don't know if this – yeah, yeah. And that was the comparison in the draft, right, because he was short and played baseball and all that. But just watching him, the way he maneuvers in the pocket, he's so difficult for the first pass rusher to get to. And he's also, I feel like, really growing as a pocket passer. Uh, there's a couple of throws that you can see that it looks like he's ready to take off, but he stays in there and he fires it. And, uh, I can't be more impressed with him. And I think Gardner Minshew has had a couple disappointing outings the last few games mm-hmm. that he is, Kyler is firmly in my mind taking over now as the, unless he goes down now, he's going to win rookie of the year. Yeah, he's waltzing to rookie of the year. That's disrespectful to Daniel Jones, who had a huge day. That's a joke. Kyler was way better than Daniel Jones. I'm joking. His first interception was horrific. I think he may oh. have gotten hit, but he still threw it into double coverage. He was strip sacked by Chandler Jones. And you could argue that, okay, Chandler Jones is good, but it was sort of in, um, coming in the direction where Daniel Jones could see Ch- Chandler Jones was coming. Still happened. Now granted, the offensive line is, is an issue and we know all that. Evan Ingram had a couple of drops, but Daniel Jones has not played well other than that first game where everyone, all the Giants fans were trying to dunk on everyone else on Twitter <laughs> about Daniel Jones going six overall. Yeah, what a crazy weekend for New York fans, right, Brinson? Oh uh, yeah, I forgot about that. Uh yeah, weird uh weird weekend for New York fans. You hate to see it. Um at least they got the Knicks starting soon. Hearing Saturday, good things about them. Yes, yeah, so Saturday night, uh the Yankees heroically, as the Yankees often do, in great true uh blue collar fashion, storm back into the game against the Astros. And then Carlos Correa ruined their lives. Or was it Altuve? It was Altuve. Altuve. Yeah, Altuve hit the bomb, the walk off bomb. Yankees lose. They're eliminated from the, uh, 
from uh, the, the the entire season, the entirety of 2019, and then the Giants immediately lose to the Cardinals. So good weekend uh, for New York fans. Sucks to be Costas. Uh, you know what's surprising, real quick, about Arizona's offense is how well they can run the ball. Um, they came into the game averaging 123 rushing yards per game, and against the Giants, now I know it's against the Giants' defense, they had 156, and uh, Chase Edmonds – um, was the second player in the last decade with three rushing touchdowns of 20 yards or more in the same game. The last one was Doug Barton, according to Field Yates of ESPN. So uh, I think no one expected the Cardinals to be able to run the ball. I thought That offense all- is fourth coming into this week in running, according to DVOA, which I did not know until Sean just mentioned it. Wow. Do you guys wish that Saquon Barkley could play for another team, like a good yes. team? Yes. I actually was thinking about that during the game, about how second overall pick, and it doesn't matter. I mean, you're on the Giants, and you're destined to be not good. All right. Uh, does that take – did I miss something? No, we didn't. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow. We check out the Facebook group. John Breach will dish out great gambling advice. Sean's handing out fancy advice. Ryan is going to sign up for Facebook at some point. Uh, we will do a uh, Pats-Jets Monday Night Preview with Jared Dubin, and then we'll talk to JLC. He actually ran into Joe Biden on his train tonight. Can't wait to talk and to him about that. <laughs> Senator Chris Dodd from Connecticut. That's who the other guy was. I, I, do, I thought that was Wilford Brimley. I didn't know. Um, the, uh, and JLC had on a Misfits t-shirt. He was like, hey, Mr. Biden. It's a pretty I, great I, selfie. Yeah, I need, I need to know the what Secret happened. Service beat down JLC before he got there. <laughs> this guy's sprinting up in a Misfits t-shirt. I need to see what happened. Uh, in the meantime, subscribe, rate, and review. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.